Gentlemen, oops, hello everybody as we continue to roll along on the season and we are into the basketball postseason. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome to the show at the NABC Studios presented by D3Hoops.com. If you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsle or hashtag Hoopsle. You can email us, Hoopsle at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsle, where we're live simulcasting the show. Trying to live simulcast it on YouTube, patiently waiting for that to give us information that it seems like they know we're there. There we go. We just hit live. So if you're just joining us on YouTube, welcome in. And uh, you can also, let's see, email, Twitter. We got it all covered. Welcome in to everybody, whether you're watching us Facebook, YouTube, or anywhere else. Maybe you listen to the podcast. Welcome in there as well. So we've got 128 teams. We talked a little bit about the tournament on Monday. Your brackets available at d3hoops.com. Be sure to grab them. we got lots to talk about tonight. And uh, for the first time in a few shows, we won't be talking to any committee chairs. Not that we don't like our committee chairs. We just won't be chatting with them. We'll be chatting uh, with the following guests. we got an, actually a, a pretty jam-packed show uh, here coming up. Lots to discuss. Uh, interesting. Can't find our... Show on the front page of d3hoops.com. We'll work on that, figure out what is going on there. Um, again, if well, let's see, let's go through our guests. We'll have uh, from Wilson Men's Basketball, we'll have Mark Seidenberg on the show. Uh, from Randolph Macon, the number one team in the men's side, we will talk to um, Buzz Anthony, the senior guard, uh, will join us to talk about the program and how things are going. And then from We'll add out to uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh, the junior forward uh, Levi uh, Borshit will join us to talk about his team. Then we'll head to Johns Hopkins, senior guard. Um, sorry, just lost my note. Uh, Derry, oh, uh, um, <laughs> Dara, Dira, there it is. I've, sorry, I was overthinking it. Dira Odin will join us from Johns Hopkins. Dira Odin. Uh, then from Mount Union, we will talk to Mike Fuline, the head coach of the Purple Raiders. From Gustavus Adolphus, Lori Kelly will join us to talk about her team. And then from Southern Virginia, we'll talk to senior forward uh, Carrie Gar- uh, Katie Garish. We'll talk to all those players and coaches coming up here on the program. Again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoops. So lots of ways to get a hold of us and certainly waiting to hear from all of you. Um, sorry. Just getting a note out to the guys. Uh, so there you go. Uh, lots of ways to interact with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them. Lots of ways to talk about. Um, so many things to do. So many places to be. Um It'll be, I listen, this tournament is going to be open uh, on the men's side. That's for sure. I think we'll get some picks from some of our, our, our guests from previous editions. Uh, Bob Quillman, Scott Peterson, Ryan Scott, Ira Thor will even provide his. We might get a couple others before the show ends, but we'll get those at the later end of the show. We'll see what their predictions are. I don't think it holds chalk as much as everybody is in the conversations I've had in the last few days. I think a lot of people think the um, top teams in the, on each bracket will make it through. I'm not all that confident. Um, but who knows? It, it falls under the category of who knows. Uh, so we'll cross that bridge when it, we come to it. Um, just a heads up, I will not be giving you my predictions. Uh, I am calling the semifinals on the men's side. 
as I have been for a number of years now. And so I will not be on that broadcast. I mean, I am on that broadcast, so I will not be making picks. Sorry, got my brain tied up there. So no picks from me. I'll certainly give you some ideas of what I think. And, and just to be fair, I won't do it on the women's side either, even though I'm not on the call for the women's side. By the way, the previews are on the front page of D3Hoops.com, or at least the, the, the tourney previews. Um, Gordon Mann wrote the women's. I think uh, Ryan Scott wrote the men's. And Bob or Pat Coleman overlooked them, and I didn't look at them at all. <laughs> so we'll see what they have to say about who's going to be getting in and such. Of course, we'll hear from Ryan Scott a little bit later with his thoughts on the men's tournament as well. So there you go. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Coach Polly. <laughs> Sad we aren't playing, but this tweet got me pumped. March Madness is finally here for D3. That was the tweet we had to get the show out the gate. Uh, earlier today uh, a couple of news and notes first off the new top 25s are out they came out of course on monday we didn't get much of a chance to talk about them on the men's side not a lot of surprises one through four stayed the same six through uh, uh five through seven stayed the, uh, were the same teams just different order platteville moved up to five meyer harden baylor moved up to six and illinois wesleyan fell to seven uh wesleyan jumped up to eight uh john st joseph's jumped up and so did johns hopkins into the top 10 Mount Union fell from 8 to 11. Uh, Emory um, rose up to 12, WPI up to 13, Lacrosse down to 14 from the 9 spot. Wabash moved up 1, Elmers moved up 3. Oswego stayed the same. Wheaton fell from 10 to down to 18. Yeshiva moves up 1, Swarthmore fell 2 to 20. Barry moved up to 21, Williams up to tw- or Williams actually fell to 22 but from 21. Stockton uh, moved up two spots in John St. John's and Whitworth back into the top 25 while Maryville and Mass Dartmouth exited. On the women's side, Christopher Newport stayed at one, Hope stayed at two. Uh, Transylvania moved up to three along with Simpson. Trine fell to five. Whitman stayed at six, seven, also stayed at NYU and Amherst at eight. Scranton jumped up in the top 10 from 13. Baldwin Wallace into the top 10 from 14. Tufts fell from nine to 11. Whitewater from 11 down to 12. Trinity, Texas from uh, 15 up to 13. John Carroll from 12 down to 14. DePaul from 10 down to 15. Smith from uh, 17 up to 16. Messiah from 19 up to 17. Wisconsin Lutheran from 20 up to 18. Ithaca from 22, sorry, from 24 up to 19. St. John Fisher up two spots to 22. Maryhart Baylor tumbled from 16 to 21. Harden Simmons moved up from 25 to 22. Wartburg down from 18 to from 18 to 23, and Eau Claire and Gettysburg back in the top 25. East Texas Baptist and Springfield exited stage left. So there you go. Hope that makes all the sense in the world. Um, also, a couple other news and notes. Regional rankings were came out. We talked a little bit about them on Monday. They are out. Of course, you can peruse them to see where teams finished in the regional rankings, which kind of alluded to where we've got 19 out of 20. I think we'd probably get 20 out of 20 if we had up the updated information. And uh, hats off to Charlie Brock. He announced his retirement uh, just the other day, ending a 41 total career years in college basketball. I uh, can't remember. He, he came to Steam, uh, Springfield in the mid-90s, I believe. That certainly wasn't where he started. We had something to say about him on Twitter. We'll talk about him more a little bit later in the show. 
So there you go. A little late start tonight. I had some technical gremlins. Not sure what happened. We couldn't seem to get streaming, but we're up and running now. We can't seem to get on the front page of d3hoops.com either. We've had some issues with d3hoops.com for some reason today. Um, it is what it is. But we're ready and rocking and rolling and all that fun stuff. And hope you'll enjoy the show here tonight. Uh, again, if you've got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. We'll hope, hopefully look forward to hearing from you throughout the program. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get things started with Wilson. Again, we got a jam-packed show. We're going to go more than the two hours, as you can imagine. We'll jam it into three hours, but we got seven guests today. We're scheduled to have eight, but one of them fell through. Um, but we will get going on uh, all of this because we got a lot of lot of chats, a lot of people. Got to sneak them in. There's some tight windows due to NCAA um, practice schedules and dinner meals and all that, and so we got to get moving. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. We want to thank our partners at Sensible Sports Marketing. Also, Jersey Genius and Blue Frame Technology, and of course, the WBCA as well. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game when he shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we uh, roll along here on the show. Uh, it turns out we have a, a tweet or a link issue on Presto. We will go to fix that here momentarily. We'll basically just tweet around Presto or 
main page, go to our show page. So we'll tweet that out here momentarily. If you're listening to us anywhere else, we appreciate it um, on whether it's YouTube or Facebook. Thank you so much. But we'll get to uh, the regular tweet here in a minute, regular link for everybody. Uh, talking men's basketball, Wilson Phoenix are into the tournament for the first time in program history. Granted, uh, haven't been around as a program all that long, but they're into the tournament. 18-7 and seven on the season, 12-2, and two, but more importantly, they won the conference title. They've lost only three games since uh, we turned into December. Those three losses to McDaniel by 30 back in the end of January, and then they lost to St. Elizabeth in Rosemont back-to-back in February, but they got things taken care of and defeated Karen 77-72 in the conference championship, and they're on to the tournament, as it were, as they make their postseason debut, as we mentioned. Of course, they got a tough task ahead of them, so we go to the uh, Hoopsville Hotline presented by D3 Hoops or presented by Blue Frame Technology, I should say. And joining us on that hotline is Mark Seidenberg, the head coach of Wilson. Coach, how are you? I'm not sure we got him. That's interesting. Hold on. Coach, you there? Hey, Mark, could you hear me? Yep, apparently he couldn't hear us on the system, folks. We're going to take a quick... Oh, because we're on the wrong channel. Let's try that again. Uh, Mark, we're going to switch you back. Now back there. Mark, can you hear us? Can you, are you good? Can you hear me? Are you there, Mark? He's Hello? Not. All right, we're going to take a break, figure out why that's not working. Of course, everything else isn't working today either. Back with more after this. Nope, we're not running that break any longer because I uh, I can hear now. That's half the battle, right? So let's go back to the hotline to talk Wilson men's basketball. I guess nothing can be that smooth when you're doing this show, but say la vie. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Mark Seidenberg. Coach, good to hear from you. What's up? Hey, Dave. How you doing? Thanks for having us. I- I'm doing all right. We finally get to hear you. That's all that matters. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm sitting... Uh, in the parking lot in a rental car at the Hangtime Barn in Seaton, New Jersey. Uh, and I could have given me the time to represent Wilson College in our program. Well, it's uh, nice of you to take the time to join us. I certainly appreciate that, as I am sure everybody else is as well. Kind of curious, what's it like here? Uh, we, we'll backtrack a little bit on, on the walk here to Wilson, but the fact that you guys are in the tournament is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Like, this is, it's cool. We're living, like, we're on cloud nine. We're enjoying it. We had a horrible practice today at Stockton. Uh, we were <laughs> bad. And, um, like, we just, we got off the court. We're like, all right, let's go to dinner. And it's, it's like, we went to the next tonight. Um, and it was fun. We didn't care about practice. Like, we tried hard. We just, you know, the moment was big for us today. And, and I'm glad that happened because at least we recognized that this is a big moment. Um, and it was fun to see those guys kind of like laugh about it a little bit. I wasn't laughing so much, 
Um, but they embrace the fact that they see how big of this moment was by how much it made them pause during practice today. And, and just to see like our, our logo up on the screen to see the NCAA banners, like I could see them distracted by the moment. And I think that's such an awesome opportunity to be able to practice where you're playing at, because I could not imagine walking out on the court tomorrow as a coach or as a student athlete for the first time in that moment, because in an empty gym, uh, with two coaches uh, as, the, as the site directors watching and nobody else. Um, like we got, we were awestruck. And it was a cool moment to see, but it's, um, you know, it made you realize that, hey, you got to snap out of it and, and there is work to be done. Yeah, sure. I can appreciate that, uh, to say the least. At the same time, as you said, it's maybe a good thing to get all the gremlins out now. Absolutely. I mean, hey, let's miss shots today. Let's make them tomorrow. Let's uh, let's stare at the banners today. Let's stare at Stockton tomorrow. And um, it was good. I mean, listen, it was just cool to be together, still playing basketball in March. It's the first time for me as a head coach. It's the first time for any of these guys as student athletes at the college level. Um, so we're just, you know, listen, we're just trying to make mistakes and, and enjoy making mistakes and enjoy trying to correct them. And we've got a small time to do it. And um, it's been fun. It's been a great experience. It's been everything I've ever heard of. For the student athletes, for the coaches, uh, my wife and children are, are in the restaurant right now with the team. So, like, to make it such a big deal for our program and friends and family of the program, like, that's what this is about. If we get, like, the goal is the win, the purpose is the experience. So, um, we're pretty excited about where we're at. We can't wait to, to let it rip tomorrow. Let's back up the train a little bit. You took over this Wilson program only back in April. You haven't even been there a year. You came from Delaware Valley. You take over a program after a COVID year where they did not play. Um, 10 and 16 the previous season. They were 20 and 8 back in 27, 20, 2017, 2018. But as we said, you know, no um, opportunities per se in these NCAAs or postseason. You certainly have made a, a huge impression real quick. Um, listen, I, I was told quite a while ago, that, uh, and this is as cliche as it gets. But um, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. And, like, we have a group of guys that, look, we, we could win tomorrow, we could lose tomorrow, but we have a group of guys that just, they, they really like each other, like, a lot. They respect each other, um, the way they treat each other, the way they treat people on campus. Like, that stuff always seemed like coach speak to me. And I'll be honest with you, this is the first season where I'm like, holy cow, like, that stuff really makes champions. And, and the, the way these guys treat each other, the way they approach everything, and that's why there was such a disappointment in today's practice because we've never seen them. Um, like they've really taken this opportunity to, to have a new coach, to have new pieces to the puzzle. Um, two of our new, uh, of our two best players are two new recruits that we brought in in June. And those guys are exceptional student athletes, high GPA guys, Antonio Busey and, and Rick Godwin. Um, they're unbelievable teammates. The guys love them. And it's just one of those things where, like, we're here today because a lot of things went right. There was a lot of luck. There was, a, there was three buzzer beaters that got us here. And, like, I'm starting to understand as a head coach that you earn those things outside of the season. Um, and, you know, that that's just because of the mistakes I made as a coach at Bell. I'm learning those things. These guys are showing me uh, the things that really matter. And it's been it's just been, like, a really neat experience this April for our group. Pretty amazing um, perspective on it all. Um, again, no, I mean, you're, you're with this program for less than a year. Realistically, were the, what were the goals for the program for you? Honestly, uh, and look, I, I don't, I don't blow smoke. Um, our guys 
like we did a SWOT analysis back in April. Like it was the first thing I do with our team. And they were like, we have clicks. We don't get along. Certain guys are only around certain times. I'm like, well, that, that ain't going to work. Um, and like these guys came together around a common goal of just getting rid of clicks on the team. And I'm being very honest. I'm, I'm opening the door to our program. Uh, that, that was that was like something that hindered them. And they didn't have a coach for quite a few months uh, before I was hired. So like guys, guys went off on their own. They were doing their own thing. And to be able to come back, and just say, hey, listen, we got to grow together. Uh, you know, we got to find a common goal that's bigger than just like winning the championship. Like, how are you going to do that? Like, it's easy to say we want to win, but what are you willing to do to make that happen? And for me, it was just like, look, I'm drawing a line in the sand. This is the way it's going to be. You got to got to be great teammates. You got to be coachable, and we'll, we'll deal with the results later. And I learned that coaching for some really good coaches at the Division Three level, um, and that that's what brought us together. And then the natural ability of our guys just just took over. Um, so it's, it's just been exciting to see guys like Adrian Thomas, who was the first team all-conference player two years ago. He's now an honorable mention player as a senior because guys like Daryl Garrow and, and Warwick Godwin got, you know, got most of the limelight for it. But they don't get that limelight without a guy like Adrian Thomas. Um, so it's just been like, it's just been give and take with our guys all year. And it's Talking to Mark Seidenberg, the uh, head coach here at Wilson. Of course, you're, you're, Reward for getting the tournament is you're the team that almost no one's talking about in the pod in Stockton because there's certainly plenty of talk about Yeshiva and Johns Hopkins, and there's plenty of talk about Stockton. How do you guys think you will fare against Stockton in your first ever trip? Um, David versus Goliath. <laughs> uh, just like so much. Look, this is the end, Jack. As a coach at Delvale, he came down here my first year coaching against Coach Bittner. Now, I think we set a record, or it was the second most free throws ever shot in a Division Three game. Uh, and, and Scott and I talked about that today. We, we had a good laugh. But, like, I told our guys, like, look, this is not, and, and no disrespect to anybody in our league, but this is the end job. Like, this is a different, this is a different experience, okay? Like, this is not, this is not the opportunity to look at your opponent one way or the other, other than, like, they're really, they're really good. They're really well coached. Um, but we also think like we can go out and compete with teams and, and at least show a little respect to Stockton, to the tournament, to the game by like putting on a good, a good performance and how we execute and at least play and, and create a challenge. Like we know we're the underdog. We know we probably have a 6% chance of winning. Um, but we went out, you know, we, we beat an, we beat an ODAC, uh, uh, in the scrimmage this year. We beat an ODAC at home this year. You know, we played Eastern. We played Hood. We were in a tournament with Randolph Macon. We played at Susquehanna. So we know what an NCAA tournament team looks like. Can we can we replicate that? I'm not sure. We'll find out tomorrow. But we at least know what we have to do. We know what we're up against. Um, and it's just a matter of can we do the things that make us good and keep them from doing the things that make them good. And if we can't do that, we're in for, for really a long night. Uh, if we can, we think we think we can be around at the end. Maybe make a push late in the game to, to, try, to try to keep it competitive. Tell me a little bit about this team. You're, you got four guys in double figures, though one of them hasn't played two two thirds of the season. You have a lot of other guys who contribute, but tell me a little bit about the makeup of the squad and and who the guys we might spot when we're watching the game. Yeah, so so it's been uh, you know, up and down year like it is for everybody. I, mean, I don't think we've had you know the same top eight to ten uh, in a game going back to to November ninth. I mean, we had. You know, Darren is a, is a second team all-conference player. We missed him the whole month of November and part of December. Uh, unfortunately, COVID grabbed him after our opening tournament, so we didn't have him. Uh, Antonio Busey is the player of the year in our league. 
Um, even though Rick Godwin got it, and that's no disrespect to Rick, but we have the we have the number one and two player of the, players of the year in our league. If you, if you look at Antonio's stats before he went out, Antonio was clearly the player of the year of the league. I mean, he's a full scholarship, six seven Division two transfer. Um, he only played 15 games this year out of our 25. And he shoots 73% from the field. I mean, he's a dunking machine. He's a rim protector. He's, he's a different kind of guy at the Division three level. Uh, and, and that makes us that makes us a uh, challenge, you know, with guys like Daryl and Antonio. And then uh, we were led this year by Rick Godwin, who's a junior. Uh, he's he's the younger brother of Sadiq Bay of the Detroit Pistons. So you know, the pedigree is definitely in the family. Rick was the MVP of our league this year, averaging 15 points a game uh, overall, and was up around 20 points a game per per, uh, per game in the conference. So um, the thing I love about our team, Dave, is when you look at team stats, like we are first in, in a lot of categories. Uh, defensive, rebounding, and things like that. When you look at individual stats, we just have guys sprinkled out like number eight through twenty-five. And for me, that's uh, you know that, that's impressive of a team that's willing to do things that that make make us really a team uh, instead of a group of individuals. So excited about those guys. And, and then I'd be uh, uh, next if I didn't talk about Adrian Thomas. I mean, Adrian is, is a four-year guy. He's the heart and soul of our team. We go as he goes. Um, you know he can he can speak and, and the guys listen to him even different than they listen to me. Uh, so we're, we're really going to rely on him tomorrow and his experience. And uh, we're just a team there. We're, we're just a bunch of dudes from you know Maryland, Northern Virginia, a couple PA guys that probably were under recruited in high school um, that really want to come out and just play good basketball and, and show that you know the Wilson College and the Colonial State Athletic Conference you know can compete with with schools that are uh, you know are bigger. Certainly a good in. Uh... Insight. I appreciate that. I did notice that you got a lot of juniors on this team and a handful of seniors. In some way, this is a great teaching tool for next season, no matter how this turns out. It is. I mean, the whole team's back next year. So um, you know, our seniors all have the extra year. So for, for right now, it's like if we lose tomorrow, how far are we and what's the gap we have to make up by next year if we win tomorrow? Um, then, hey, we know, we know what we can achieve and you know, how much more can we get. So it's it's pretty black and white for us. Uh, you know, if we lose tomorrow, you know, next week I'm hoping that the, the guys start getting after it on their own. Um, and we just kind of continue riding this positive train and, uh, and keep this momentum right for next year. Some degree also lucky you didn't have to go very far for this trip. No, you know, we, we were projected four hours southwest of Marietta. Uh, and then we saw something where we were Randolph-Macon, which is kind of the same distance as that. Um, Stockton was, was everything was pretty much four hours, four hours and fifteen minutes. And for me, this is great growth in Philadelphia. Uh, family have beach houses out here in South Jersey, uh, along the shoreline, North Wildwood, Sea Isle. So for me, like this is a lot of friends and family from high school from Philly coming, uh, friends and family down here at the Jersey Shore that are coming. So um, it's exciting, man. This, this has just been like such a mind blowing experience. It's been awesome. Um, my son was able to ride the bus with us and, and get to be a part of us, and uh, it's, it's just really neat to be a part of it. I, I, I followed it for. 13 years as, as, as my 14th year in Division Three, So I followed it for 13 years. I've gone to the Final Four and just, you know, I've always been uh, jealous of, of those that get to experience and to be able to do it with my family and, and make new team and new vibes and, and it's, been, it's been pretty cool. Well, it's certainly impressive what you guys pulled off because honestly, I didn't see this game, but one of the games that I noticed that you lost to McDaniel by 30, I couldn't make it. I was supposed to be there that night, but I couldn't make it. Well, I texted, I, you, I, I texted you and told you good thing you didn't make it. <laughs> what'd you say? I said I texted you that night if you remember and told you good thing you didn't show up. Yes. Oh, well, that was the thing is 
you know, you, you sometimes don't know what a team's going to be like or if there's a game that turns them on or furthermore, if they're able to put it together when it needs to be put together, which is obviously the conference tournament. At what point did you guys maybe click it on? Um, honestly, I think, well, the McDaniel game, just to, just to make a quick excuse for us to get our doors blown off, uh, I think that was our sixth game in 10 days. Yeah. Coming up, or five and nine, and it was just like, the guys got off the bus. That was the first day of classes, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I was talking to one of the coaches uh, that McDaniel had played in our conference, and they said, listen, that is a tough team. They play bully ball. you got to show up and be alive. Well, we kind of did the opposite. Um, that, that was the point kind of where we were like, okay, we, we got to reevaluate who we are, uh, you know, because look, 12 and 2 in conference and, and, and our goal this year was to be able to represent who we are out of conference and challenge ourselves a little bit with the schedule. I was able to have my hand on the non-conference schedule. We, we really went to end the non-conference, uh, over 500. We ended at four and five. We wanted to be five and four, but honestly, like we're Wilson college in the C-Sec and we beat know that at home by double yeah. digits. Um, and I was, and, and the way we did that, the way we executed, like we ran stuff, like our game plan, like it just, it just came to fruition. And I was like, all right, well, it's not able to do that. November 28th. If we're able to do that, like let's, 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 let's see what we can do this year. I mean, that was a Sunday game. And then Monday, we had no practice. We just, hey, we played Sunday off Monday. And Coach Marcinic, uh, at Susquehanna had reached out through uh, one of their assistant coaches, Elden Hoy, I coached his son's after the fire college. I was an assistant there, and they said, hey, we, we need a game tomorrow night. You guys want to play? So we jumped on a bus Tuesday, no practice, no film, no scout. Uh, jumped on a bus, went to Susquehanna on Tuesday night, lost by 13. Um, but that was that was not a 13-point game all game. That was a, a two-possession game at halftime, two-possession game first few minutes into the game. Um, so when we started to play with teams like that, I was like, man, like we can, like we have some mojo, like we're confident. We don't, we don't approach this game like we're Wilson and you're a landmark. We approach this game like, hey, we're coming here to win the game and, and try to get better and compete. So once we had those back to back, you know, even though we went one and one there, just to be able to have that type of mental approach, uh, to Susquehanna after coming off a huge win against, um, uh, against Bridgewater, like that was, that was the moment where we were like, all right, I think we can. I think we can just you know turn the heat up, hold the accountability even higher, and maybe we can make something happen here. Well, obviously it happened because you're in the NCAA tournament, and your first-round opponent will be Stockton at their place. So congratulations. It obviously worked out in the end. Uh, I don't want to keep you from dinner. We'll let you go. you you got to go eat and be with your family and your team. But I appreciate the time you found for us. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity to uh, represent our program here. Uh, always grateful with Steve Cantrell, who's the AD at, at Delaware Valley University, to be my first job. So I'm forever grateful uh, to Dave. And I wouldn't be in this position without the people at Delaware, the student athletes, the players. There's a lot of people at Wilson that have a lot of credit for this. But uh, without my experiences at Delaware Valley, in particular, those student athletes that let me grow and make mistakes and, um, you know, honestly make a lot of mistakes and, and learn from them and, and that was that's that's the guys that I need to appreciate and thank more than anything, um, and then obviously just so so appreciate our student athletes here and, and the support uh, from administration here at Wilson College and on everything you and Todd and uh, all those guys do. Bob uh, for Deep for Hoop, just so uh, indebted to you all and, and very grateful.
Sorry, I muted myself. Uh, congratulations. Thank you for the kind words. Also, I'm sure everybody else wants it as well. Uh, again, enjoy this this run, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Hey, Dave. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Mark Seidenberg joining us from Wilson. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Uh, good to chat with him. Got him on the phone there. Their dinner plans changed at the last minute. Otherwise, we probably would have had him on Zoom. Um, but there's worse things to have change at the last minute. That's for sure. About 10 years ago, I was sitting in Transylvania and games were getting pushed back because we were in tornado warnings. So uh, I, that's minor details. We'll take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Randolph Macon men's basketball senior guard, Buzz Anthony. We'll talk to the man. When we come back, you're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along on this Thursday edition of the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com, or you can join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you're hearing some moaning in the background, Tucker is in the room because we're the only ones in the house tonight. And uh, apparently he's suddenly uh, impatient. I'm not really sure why. Uh, let's talk. So we go from one side of the spectrum to the other. We, we talked to Wilson men's basketball, first time ever in the program. Now we go to the ones who have been chomping at the bit for an NCAA tournament since the game got pulled off of their floor. 
just two years ago, getting ready to play Yeshiva. Of course, they played last year uh, with a number one team. They played this year, been number one team for quite a bit. Uh, I have a feeling they'd love a lot more. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is not the head coach of the aforementioned Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets. It's the second married player we've had this season. Somehow the mic turned off there. Not sure why. Buzz Anthony joining us. I don't know at what point everybody lost it there. I got a question, though. You, you guys, again, have had a, a tremendous get at this point, a tremendous run through the season. I know the job's not done, but are you playing at where you thought you were or better than, or are you leaving some on the table? Yeah, well, first, just thank you for doing everything you do. Um, I know a lot of us enjoy um, – enjoy following D3 hoops. We enjoy following different teams, different kind of basketball. Um, and we have a good following on our team. Um, as far as our team, it, it has been a really fun year. We got a really good group of guys. Um, Coach, Coach Merkel has done a great job of, you know, just continuing to, uh, we talk about play to the standard, uh, be better every day. And I know, I think the second half of the season, we've been much better with uh, fewer turnovers. That's usually been a staple of our team early on in the year. We were playing some different lineups, kind of figuring some stuff out. So turnovers have been going down. Um, and this year we've probably been rebounding the ball better than we have any other year, uh, which has maybe been one of our areas that we've worked on these past couple of years. So I think we're really excited just about get a shot up every time. we got a good group that can rebound it. Um, so, yeah, I think we're playing um, pretty well on the offensive side of the ball and, and defensively is uh, something we definitely hang our hats on. Sorry, I'm muting the f mic because Tucker is uh, he's whining. Um, I was going to ask what side you guys take the most pride in, if it was the offense or defensive side. I get the sense a little bit there. It's kind of an even split. If, if you're not doing one of them right, you start working on them because you want to do both of them right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely think it's defense. Like preseason, uh, early on, it's, it's a ton of just – a ton of stuff about meeting the standard defensively. We have a lot of skilled guys who, um, you know, sometimes don't see the floor until midway through the year or later in the year because they're just having to earn, earn the earn the trust, earn the respect defensively. But uh, you know, now we get to this point of the year, and it's a lot of like, how can we continue to just add little pieces, fine tune those flat tires? So I think it's a good balance right now. Fine tune those flat tires. That one I'm gonna have to remember. I like that term. Uh, a lot of people, I saw a great story by the, uh, I think it was a rich, one of the Richmond television stations about you. Uh, a lot of people talk, you talk about you being the coach on the floor to some degree. And that story kind of revealed a lot more of that, but it certainly revealed more about what you do behind the scenes. If no one's aware, I mean, you're doing laundry during the pandemic when you're out there shooting, you're trying to coach guys up on the sideline. And some of the guys kind of hinted at it that you can, you can kind of really get in their face a bit and really get on them a bit, but they respect that to some degree too. What I'm curious about is where does that all come from? Hmm. Yes, I will say, um, you know, the the laundry piece was just during COVID. It wasn't anything. You're not uh, still I'm doing not, it? I'm not a hero. No, I'm not still doing <laughs> it. Was just, I was just helping out and um, the news got, I guess, got leaked out. And um, Oh, it got leaked out. All right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, uh, the challenger, I know if, if 
people are Enneagram fans. I'm a type eight challenger. Um, so I think that's more my leadership style. We talk about truth over harmony a lot. That's uh, something that I think I've probably mastered. Now, you know, the follow up and the love piece, uh, getting better at with my with my age. But both my parents were coaches. Both my parents played college sports. Uh, both my parents refereed for like 20 years. So um, my dinner table conversation growing up was sports from one angle, either playing, coaching or refereeing. Uh, so I think I've just been around it so much. And um, yeah, I just I have a passion and I hate when I see guys not have that same fire. Um, so I guess Coach Merkel's done a great job empowering me early on. He talks about uh, the Duke team with Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner and how Hurley came in and that was a, a new dynamic, but he kind of coach K empowered Hurley and um, you know, they ended up having a ton of success. That's a great example. Um, I, I, I kind of dig where you, where you're getting at there. And obviously you, you have to walk a fine line, but I am curious about the dinner table. Did you also learn how to argue with an official without crossing the line because of those conversations? All right. So <laughs> Kind of. I think it's made it tough. So I've entered the family business. I've been refereeing since high school. So I've also been on that side. So usually in the games, um, I come up to the official and I'm at the captain's meeting and I say, hey, you know, I'm an official myself. <laughs> what, what did you see on this call? You know, so sometimes I think officials have a couple uh, scapegoats they use to kind of just give it to a player. Uh, so I think usually when I when I start with that, I think it adds some trust usually. And then I think I get some more explanation than maybe. I'm sure. Th uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of a hesitation of, damn it. Um, <laughs> or maybe. the other version I'm thinking in my head is there's a moment of, okay, is he goofing me? Like, he can't be an official, really. Mm. That's fascinating, <laughs> though. So, what does that help you bring to the table when you're on the floor? Do you think about that stuff, like what is or isn't a call? What could be a call? Are you trying to help your teammates out in the moment as well? Mm. Um, I don't think I think too much in the game about it. I think it's added more of like that soft skill. Um, I think I've thought about it more over my career. So I do, you know, it's really, it's not what is a foul. It's what looks like a foul to that right. official. Um, and so even like we run some single double, some stuff where I'm running off the ball. So I know there's an official on that baseline. So if guys are being physical, like that's the time to, uh, kind of go into that, and especially if it's six fouls on the scoreboard, you know, and I can get that seventh foul and go to the one-on-one. Um, <laughs> that's something I know Chris Paul is like great at that. He can draw a foul 90 yeah. feet away from the basket as soon as they're in the bonus. I see so. what you're doing. Nicely done. Well done. <laughs> Obviously, there's unfinished business here. You guys had a magical run going two years ago. Uh, Yeshiva was coming to town. That all mm -hmm. got pulled out. Last year, obviously, you guys had a, a season per se finished with a quasi-national championship game. I'll say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek against Trine. You guys won easily. Now we're back. How hard is it to been, not to stay motivated, but to stay that hyper-focused and that good for so long with mm. basically nothing to play for in the interim? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, it's definitely been, it's been difficult because we've had my junior year, COVID cancels it, so we end the season on a win. And then my senior year, 
we play a couple games. We beat Trine. We were 12 and 0. So again, my season ends on a win. Right. Um, I can remember my sophomore year. We lose in the Sweet 16 to Swarthmore. I had pictures of Swarthmore. I had the box score. I mean, everything was a daily, you know, reminder and, and motivator. And it was easy to work hard sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's been. I think it's been a journey for a lot of guys on our team of just trying to find a love for the game, a love for development, a love for. You know, last year was for our one senior who was leaving, wanting to play as many games with him and play well. And um, so I will say it's been tough, especially as like a, a short white guy growing up. I was always seeking the chip. I was always seeking the motivation. And so now it's kind of learning how to, uh, I don't know, play to that standard, uh, find that motivation another way. This short white guy. I don't think a lot of people call you the short white guy on the floor at this point in time. <laughs> I just just a gut feeling. Something tells me, you know, yes, you're five eleven listed, but you play so much bigger. Mm. You you're you're the target of everybody defensively. You're the target of everybody offensively, for lack of a better description. Everyone knows that it, this team revolves and, and goes through Buzz Anthony. What's it like to get that kind of attention at all times from every single team you face? Well, um, I definitely will be the first to say like assists are predicated upon guys making shots and True. playing with playing with great players. So, I mean, we've part of, I think, having the success is that we've played teams who have come out and and they've doubled me every time. And we win by 30 because we have great players who, OK, it's their night and we're very happy uh, to play that way. I will say probably the most uh, <laughs> fun, fun side of it is um, you scout a team. You're looking at the team for their past three games or, you know, maybe a similar style team they played a couple of weeks back. And it's like, OK, these are their tendencies. These are what they like to do. And then you come out and our first play down the court, you know, they're doing some totally different defense, some totally different jump ball, um, jumping ball screens. Um, so that that usually first 10 minutes of that first half, usually Coach Merkel and I and and Miles and, and guys are just like, we're really talking about like, okay, what is this team doing? Uh, what was their game plan? So big thing this year has been like for 40 minutes, you know, we're going to figure, we're going to figure it out better than the other team over 40 minutes. So that's been a fun new challenge this year with different game plans and styles. No, that, I, I dig that kind of stuff. That's the fun stuff sometimes with this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm with you there. Uh, does Josh Merkel splitting the wins with you, by the way, is you're the coach on the, on the court. Is, is he willing to give up some of the wins in his uh, resume? Man, we don't <laughs> No, He's, he's great. And coach Dave Maturo and, and Sean Boggs, they've been together now for, I think seven years. And um, we really just feel that as players, their connectedness and, uh, we have a good, you know, like word culture goes around. We have a good family, a good culture right now. Uh, I got to ask, because this is the quirk that I had to check with you in pregame about, pre-show about. You're married and you're married to another player. She's on the women's team. What's that dynamic like? It's great. <laughs> I'm it's sure great. it's great. I'm just, I'm, obviously you guys have your own schedules and you're going to have your own practices and all of that stuff. So I'm sure there's time that's fleeting whenever you get to spend it with each other. But I'm curious how, what the decision came to get married this young. Cause sometimes that's, I mean, especially for college students, there's, there's other things to do or you're focused on education or you're focused on the next job. The last thing anyone's focused on is getting married except for some unique, in, you know, institutions. And I bring up BYU and the such. So what's it like to, to have that as part of the added dynamic to all this? 
Yeah, sure. Um, no, it's been, I'll start with saying the men's and women's basketball team, my freshman year, we kind of, you know, kind of hung out, same sport. Um, but then my wife's name is Becca and we started dating and the team started to hang out more. And then I think when you get married, it really solidifies um, the relationships and the team. So uh, we're like always hanging out now. We were at almost all their games, just going crazy. Um, so just the energy between the teams has been phenomenal to watch. Beck and I will kind of look at each other and be like, you know, we kind of started this, take some pride in that. But um, yeah, really, we uh, we started dating. And um, for us, our, our faith is, is a really big deal. And uh, we just felt like <clears throat> that God was calling us to be married and uh, calling us to kind of be uncommon. And we wanted to just obey that and, and try to figure it out. Um, a lot of people kind of say, wait for your finances to be right or, or wait for <laughs> oh, the time to be finances right. Finances are never right, Buzz. They're never it, right. <laughs> and that's kind of what we came to. We had amazing support from her family and my family. And they said, you know, go for it. Um, and so so that's what we did. We didn't want to wait till the time was, quote unquote, right. And uh, we're just trying to live it out as an adventure and uh, just get better at loving each other and, and loving the people we come across. It, it, I got to ask. Buzz Anthony, you're 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 at a school that's the Yellow Jackets. I mean, it felt like this was written down before anybody had a choice. That said, I ran into a former assistant coach in the ODAC who's now in the D1 program, and he says, "Oh no, we, nobody was going to win that conversation. He was going to Randolph Macon." My my easy question is: Is it because of the mascot? The harder question is, why did you choose Randolph-Macon versus over a lot of quarters? I know there were a lot of schools that wanted you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is funny. In my, in my first year, I had people come up to me and actually ask if my nickname was Buzz because I went to Randolph-Macon, <laughs> thinking that I changed my name based on the school that I went to. <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't know how to answer. <laughs> but... No, the, the name of the school didn't really play a part. It is fun when I um, when we go to football games and the mascots, you know, going around giving high fives. I get to talk to Buzz. Um, I was yeah, actually the true. mascot. Yeah. I was the mascot for one of the games my freshman year for a football game. Nice. Um, so that was really cool. But uh, no, I mean, the, the reason I chose Macon, um, I was in a really good high school conference, like good basketball, but we had some coaching changes and, so we didn't win a ton. So that was really tough for me as a competitor. I wanted to go somewhere that, um, you know, had a legacy for winning and that was their tradition. Um, and so making, you know, they checked that box. And then I had, my mom was a teacher as well. So she had me good academics early on. So I had a good GPA. So I was kind of looking at the high academic route mm -hmm. um, and Macon's a, a good academic school. And um, it was kind of like, you could go here and get this great degree or, about eighth or ninth grade, realized my parents were five nine. Realized I wasn't going to probably go to the NBA, so my dream changed to wanting to coach. Um, sure. So about eighth or ninth grade, it was man, I want to go somewhere to coach. And Coach Merkel, you know, as soon as I told him that, he starts feeding me Nathan Davis, Mike Rhodes, yeah, um, and that stuff. So it was like, hey, you could go to these other schools and get a great degree, and then just go coach, and uh, you know, that's cool. Or come here and get a PhD in coaching. Yeah. Or right down the road from VCU. So 
that was a huge piece of it. And then uh, I did my overnight visit, loved the guys um, and that and that whole thing. So. That makes sense. Hey, quickly, before we let you go, the games, obviously ahead of you got Madai, uh, who, um, I'm sorry, not Madai, you, that's the other side of the bracket. You'll have Mitchell, the other M, in the yes. tournament. And then possibly, should you win, you've got DeSales and Babson. What are you expecting of the weekend? Man, I'm expecting Crenshaw to be to be filled, to be packed. Uh, we love playing at home. We, uh, our fans, our school is awesome. It's 40% student athletes. So just the teams that come out and support each other, I think is unique about making. And, uh, so I'm expecting a, an awesome atmosphere for our community and, uh, we're playing, I know Mitchell's got like the leading, um, the leading assist guy right now. So it's been fun watching film prepping for different teams. Uh, you go through a long conference season, I'm almost five years in, not even looking at scouting reports now. You know these teams so well. <laughs> so it's been fun to actually dive into a scout. And uh, I think Coach Merkel and our staff does a really good job with a week to prepare for for teams. So we're feeling confident and uh, ready to win in our home gym. Is I assume that the national championships, the goal, I assume, being in Fort Wayne is is what you want to do. Is it, a, is it a disappointment if you guys can't pull this off? Man, it's uh, a, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I didn't want, I, if I didn't want that. I think it's been, for me, it's been the balance of surrender the outcome, but also long for that dream. Um, so it's kind of keep longing for it. You know, I'll be, I'll be reading something and I'll flip the page and I'll have no idea what I was just reading. My mind will be in Fort Wayne or somewhere else. So the longing is definitely there. The dream is there, but trying to just stay, I don't know, present in the everyday to, to not get consumed by it. So uh, I'm just curious if you can, by the way, the fact that your wife's name is Becca and your buzz, just the symmetry is insane, but I'm just saying maybe the kids' names are yellow and jacket. If you have any, I'm just random thought. Maybe too, maybe is that pushing it too much? Randolph it and Macon. Might, it, <laughs> I don't think we'll go that far. We were talking about a family of BAs. We thought that, that All would right. be a pretty good households. So. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That would work out nice. Lots of bees in there. Yep. Yeah, there's a pun there too. Hey, Buzz, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Great to get to know you a little bit better. Congratulations on the career that you've had in the season, obviously, as well. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who tuned in? <clears throat> just, yeah, again, thank you for, for what you do. And um, just excited for March Madness, for, uh, <laughs> for all those people that have asked me the questions of, do you guys play Duke and Maryland in the in the NCAA tournament? It's no. like, no, it's the same thing as Division One. It's just with 64 Division Three teams. So it's better. It's better. I'm just hoping that question is answered more this month. <laughs> I hear that. I totally hear that. Well, good luck. Enjoy Crenshaw. Maybe you're playing there all the way to Fort Wayne. And uh, we'll look forward to watching you on the court. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Buzz. Buzz Anthony joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline and his wife, Becca. She gets to go to the games. Unfortunately, their team lost in the ODAC championship, didn't make it. But hey, that's gonna that'll be a fun story to watch, by the way. Those two moving forward. I wonder how long till we see him on the uh, sideline at Randolph Macon. Just just a thought. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we keep going. We go to Oshkosh, talk to another student athlete out there. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this.
For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us, it's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville as we continue to roll along on this Thursday. Great to talk to Buzz Anthony. Going to talk to a bunch of student athletes here today. Of the seven interviews that we have, we have student athletes in four of them. So great to kind of shake and bake with that. You know, we were going to have eight, but total guests, but it was going to be four and four. You know, kind of like a committee, evenly dispersed between admins and coaches, in this case, student athletes and coaches. If you got a question for us, email us, Hoopsville at D3. Uh, sports.com. You can also tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can uh, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Hoopsville. We'll try and answer the questions there as well if you happen to have any. As I said, we're continuing the conversation with student athletes. We head out to Wisconsin Oshkosh, the number three team in the men's top 25, have played really well in the WIAC. Remember, they're technically the defending national champions since they raised the walnut and bronze in 2019, and we haven't crowned a champion since. Not sure if that adds any pressure or not. There's only so many guys back from that program. One who's certainly playing well is a junior, and he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology. Borcher, yep, said it right. All right, got it. I I, I made it. I survived. Uh, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. First and foremost, yeah, congratulations on the season, man. You guys have been playing, I would almost say, to some degree, quietly, really good. Other teams seem to get a lot of attention, like Platteville and the rest, until you guys kind of dispatched them. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, tough week season. Just finished it up. Now uh, through the conference tournament. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're uh, flying under the radar, like you said. But, um, yeah. Ready to get into the national tournament and start that. 
Yeah, definitely getting into it. You guys have got a pretty nice draw. We'll get to that in just a little bit. I'm just curious, first and foremost, what's what's it, what's the decision making process like, et cetera, to choose to go to a Wisconsin institution on top of that to try and choose the one for basketball that you want to play at because that can't be an easy decision. Yeah, going through the recruiting process, I didn't really, I don't know, I I don't know if I just like wasn't all there, but I didn't really take what was all happening. Like, I didn't really, I don't know how to explain it. But when I was going on, Lew, uh, Coach Lewis and Coach Corn, who's the assistant at the time, did a really nice job recruiting me. And I think I kind of took it for granted. Like, when it was happening, they were at all my high school games, at least one of them. And uh, a lot of times it was both of them. And sometimes even uh, Coach Yankee, a third. And I had a really good connection with them all through high school because they were recruiting other guys that were older than me. So... And then when it came time to make the decision, I think I was kind of holding out just to see if I would get possibly a D2 offer. But I think I knew in the back of my mind that I was going to come to a Wisconsin school because I, I my family comes to a lot of my games and just being close to home. And then how close to home Oshkosh is for me, it's only like a 30-minute drive. So uh, factoring all that stuff in, uh, I thought it was a pretty easy choice to come to Oshkosh. Um Yeah, they just did a really nice job recruiting. <laughs> yeah, a really nice job if they're at every game. Uh, that says yeah. a lot, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was crazy. Like I said, I took it for granted when it was happening. I was like, oh, they're at my games, they're at my games. And then uh, when I committed and I saw how hard they recruit kids now, I took it for granted, I realized. Obviously, the success has been there. Uh, it it helps yeah. to go win a national championship, as we mentioned back in 2019. But as we were just talking with Buzz Anthony, it's been two years of nothing since, you know, you, you had the tournament in 2020, it got pulled off in 2021, it didn't happen, now we're 2022. You were part of that 2020 team, if I'm correct, right? You were on the squad then? Yeah, I was on the squad when, um, well, we ended up losing before the national tournament right. got called, but I was on that squad. Yeah. yeah. What's it like then to kind of be going along and not have that chance to play for something, especially when your program as a whole has had had that success most recently. Yeah. Well, coming in the last year, I think that our whole team like knew that we had a chance to do something special, but then when stuff started taking a turn with COVID uh, and we didn't know if we were going to have a season, we, you know, we practice and practice and practice. Then we up having a season, which was great. It was better than not having anything, but then we knew we weren't going to have a national tournament. So we wouldn't, we didn't have a chance to, uh, you know, like show or show what we thought we had show that we thought we had what it takes and then with this year we had a chance to do a full season and then obviously you know now we're in the national tournament we're conference champions and um we're not done but it's been great to be able to show that we had what it takes and we knew that last year we thought as well talk to me a little bit about this season as you said i felt like you guys kind of uh, flew a little bit under the radar not that you weren't good i just felt like everybody else was getting the attention you started the season with a big win over Augustana. You got a win over St. John's that wasn't even close. And then you had a barn burner of a game against Illinois Wesleyan that they ended up winning in the fourth game of the season. And from there, yeah, big wins all along the way. Obviously in conference against Eau Claire and Lacrosse, you beat North Central, beat St. Norbert, you beat Calvin. And then you took your, your second loss of the season to start January against Whitewater. But just that first half, what was, what was it? like for you guys how was the season rolling along what were those games like that you lost what were those games like that you won how was the team playing at the time 
Yeah, like I said, I think we thought we were good. I mean, we won our first two games. I think it was our third game. We ended up losing to Wesleyan, and we knew Wesleyan was a a solid squad. And then it they proved it throughout the season. They're still ranked. I don't even know what it is, fifth or highly. Um, and that was a close, close, hard fought game. And then we uh, went on a little bit further. And I think our second loss was to Eau Claire, and then you know our third loss to Whitewater a little bit later in the season, but. Yeah, we never. I don't think we ever got too high or too low when we went on the went on kind of our run of wins between Wesleyan and Eau Claire. It's not. It's not like we ever got too high. And then when we lost to Eau Claire, we knew that, that you know, that one game wasn't going to define us. We lost to a tough WEAC team on the road. Any team in the WEAC is tough, especially on the road. So I think just not not ever being too high or not ever being too low really helped us. And then. Playing in those, we played in so many close games. I feel like, and especially WEAC games, they're all, they all seem tough, and they're all all seem to be close. And even if you get a lead, then never the lead never seems to stick. So I think having all that experience under our belt, and especially this late in the season, helped us. You guys ended up beating Plantville both times you saw him. You ended up beating um, Lacrosse every time you saw him. Actually, you saw Plantville three times. You ended up beating Whitewater three times. The only team you, you didn't beat was Whitewater. I apologize. I misspoke there. And you didn't beat Eau Claire. Granted, both those games went to overtime. You were two yeah. overtime games away from a perfect season in the conference, which is unheard yeah. of. Did that have, did, did you guys realize that that kind of season was in front of you or that you were playing that well in conference? I don't think we really realized it. No, we when we dropped the game at Eau Claire, like I said, it's not like we got too low. We we just realized that, um, you know, just any game, you have, we have to bring your best every game. And you know, after that game, we realized that. And then, you know, we lost Whitewater at home in overtime as well. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if we really thought about having an undefeated WEAC season. It would have been awesome. It didn't happen, but uh, some definitely something to strive for. Yeah, it was certainly impressive run. Again, yeah. you beat Platteville twice, and you seem to be in control of the conference for the most part. Did that put any pressure on you going into the conference tournament that you knew pretty much you guys were a lock to make the NCAA tournament anyway? Um, I don't know. If, I don't. Yeah, I don't think really much pressure. No, I think it almost like gave us the opportunity to play more free. And just like Lewis, not that we don't play free and loose, but just like knowing even if you know, we don't play our best game. We're still going to make the national tournament. But, um, you know, we didn't really try to have that mindset. And we we didn't, obviously. We ended up winning it. But, um, yeah, just like knowing the back of our head that we played, you know, enough good basketball throughout the season to give us an opportunity to make the national championship, uh, despite, you know, what happened in the conference tournament. Tell me a little bit about this team. Uh, I meant to have the stats in front of me before I started asking that question. Of course, I don't. But or now I do. Tell me a little bit about this squad. Uh, you've got multiple guys in double figures. You're leading the team at 18 and a half. You've got um, four, three other guys in double figures. Two of them are seniors and another's a junior. Give me a sense of who they are, how they click, how you guys all work as a unit. Yeah, I think uh, something that, you know, maybe people that watch our team don't really get to see is how deep our team is. Um, there's, if you look at like the box score, there's a lot of guys that play high 30 minutes or low 30 minutes, and we don't. You know, some games will play seven or eight, and that's usually about the top is eight or nine. But in practice every day, we get such a good look from our scout team. When we, when we like, do the practices leading up to games and our scout team gets to play the other team, 
there'll be days where like we can't get a stop on our scout team and then that just helps us so much i feel like prepare for um like the team we're playing coming up uh i feel like we're really well none of us are selfish we all love to share the ball and i think you can see that with the no one has a super high average in points and we're, we have a lot of guys that are in that teen area and then i think we all really like to guard uh we focus on defense a lot in practice and just being one to guard i feel like is something that you need in the WEAC especially and then that it, having that in the WEAC hopefully will translate on the national scale throughout the tournament you guys have uh, Blackburn ahead of you who won their conference to get in. You got Case Western and Dubuque on the other side of your own pod. And mm-hmm. conceivably, the way it's it's set up, you could stay at home should you keep winning. Obviously, yeah. you want to keep winning to get to Fort Wayne. How important is it to keep winning to try and stay at home? Yeah, we're trying not to look too far ahead. That's, I think, what Lewis has been on us about the most is just um, – just looking at the next game and nothing further than that, because if we lose one game, you're done. So we've been really trying to key in on Blackburn. We've been scouting them ever since we found them, found out that we were playing them on uh, Monday. So, yeah, just trying to stay locked in that one game and not get ahead of ourselves and end up losing a game that we're not supposed to. So what do you think of Blackburn? What do they bring to the table that you haven't seen this season, maybe? Uh, well, they don't. They uh, play a lot more zone than a lot of teams in the WEAC, we found. I think – we had a stat that they play zone, like, I want to say the stat was like 56% of the time. Mm. And in the WEAC, we, we rarely see a zone. We saw a little bit of zone versus Whitewater. And there's some teams that will play it here and there. But uh, that's something different is their zone. And then just heating people up. Um, they're an athletic team. So trying to heat their opponents up has done them well. I think they average like 13 turnovers a game in their conference tournaments. So that's something that we have to be aware of and keep our turnovers down. Is there pressure? Are you guys, is there pressure to be in Fort Wayne? Is there pressure to keep winning because you're number three in the country, because you won the WIAC conference, et cetera? Is there pressure in front of you for this? Uh, I'm not, I don't think we really feel pressure. I think that we all, I think our team knows that we're good enough. We went through the, you know, going through the playing in the WIAC isn't easy. And I think playing in the WIAC, like I said, we had so many close games that gave us good experience for this. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't feel, I don't think our team feels pressure. I think we just got to go out and play how we're capable of play. Are you truly six five? Yeah, yeah, six five. I always ask because uh, we just had Buzz Anthony on. Made it seem like he's not maybe five eleven, uh, and oh, we've had yeah. many others on who've ga- gained an inch or two to their resume. I always, I always like asking. No, yeah, no, I definitely know know what you're talking about. When it's out <laughs> in the scout and then. You line up against them and they're it's like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, you're like, wait, hold on. You're not you're not six three. Uh, this is not yeah. exact Hey, quick quick question. Forgot to ask Buzz this ourselves, but uh what do you what is your major? What are you planning to do after college when all things do eventually come to an end, at least on the college side of things? Uh business finance, and then I hope to be a financial planner when I graduate. Okay. Any thoughts of yeah. trying to play beyond and, and maybe go to Europe or is it just head to the work? I don't think so. Not right now, at least. A lot can happen between now and uh, next year. But yeah, right. as of right now, I, th- I think that I'm just going to end up working after I graduate. But who knows? I'm not sure. There's a lot of athletes who have done that. You wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't be that surprising a decision. Hey, I appreciate yeah. the time. I know you got a lot going on, so I'll let you go. But thanks for uh, joining us. Um, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? 
no, I'm good. Thank you for having me. And thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Good luck in the tournament. And we'll look forward to watching the uh, Titans down the road. All right. Sounds good. Have a good night. Take care. Levi Borscher joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Nice to chat with him. Again, the team is uh, pretty much one of the top four in this tournament. And they are 22-3 and three overall. They finished 10-2 and two in the conference. Again, two overtime games, a two-point loss to Eau Claire and a four-point loss to Whitewater. And they finished the conference undefeated. Pretty impressive if that had happened, but pretty impressive with what they did nonetheless, especially when he played Whitewater on back-to-back games eight days apart. Uh, by the way, didn't mention that with him. The first game on the 16th was a 48-46 game at Whitewater. The game at Oshkosh in the tournament was 86-77. Very different games, eight days apart. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to student-athletes. Coming up next, we go to Johns Hopkins and talk women's basketball. We'll talk to uh, De'Ara Odin about her. We'll even talk about her sister, believe it or not. But we'll also talk about the Blue Jays, who are hosting what should be in the Christopher Newport games and what that means to the program. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. And welcome back to Hoops as we continue to roll along. We have not had a chance to talk about our partners at Sensible Sports Marketing or Jersey Genius or the NABC. We'll talk about them here coming up here shortly. 
continue to talk up to student athletes. We do have a couple of coaches still ahead. Uh, Mike Fuline from Mount Union will join us. Obviously, we had Wilson's Mark Seidenberg on the, to start the show. We'll also hear from Gustavus Adolphus Lori Kelly on the show. And then we'll wrap things up with another student athlete out of Southern Virginia. We'll talk to Katie Garish about her program. But up next, we talk to Johns Hopkins. Uh, didn't win the Centennial Conference, but they're one of the top five defensive teams in the country statistically. The other two of the other five are also in the Centennial Conference. Haverford, who didn't make the NCAA tournament, and Gettysburg, who's hosting this weekend as well. Hopkins, a bit of a surprise host, only maybe to them or really anybody who was looking at the bracket. We all knew Christopher Newport had to go on the road somewhere. I am quite sure that Johns Hopkins watch party was a little bit interesting when they realized they were hosting the game. To find out more about that, we go back to the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, and joining us there is Deara Odin, who joins us to talk about it. She is the senior guard for, I say Centennial Champs on the graphic. I'm giving you guys a little too much credit. I apologize. I'll fix that in a minute. But first and foremost, what was the watch party like when you guys all realized, first off, you're the first pod and you're, oh, by the way, hosting? We were all very surprised because we were expecting our name to be um, one of the last called because our coach was explaining to us that's normally how it worked. And so when we saw our name third and then the little asterisks, we were all a little confused at first, but then it turned into a lot of cheers and a lot of hugs. I was going to say, so they told you you might end up being near the end? Yes, we thought we were going to Tufts, so. Oh, okay. Well, I could see where they thought that. I, th- I mean, we may have even said that on D3 Hoops. I don't remember. It's too much of a blur. But I can understand setting you guys up for that. So, yeah. So, you find out right out of the gate. It's over. You're, you know you're on to the tournament. You don't have to watch the rest of the show. That's not too bad. Yeah. We were kind of interested to see where Gettysburg was going. So, we really? watched. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised cute. you wanted to know where Gettysburg was going. Really? You don't say. Um yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about Gettysburg in a minute. Uh, but obviously, the team into the tournament, that's huge. Uh, this is a, a team that actually kind of gave Gettysburg a little bit of a hard time this year. But what was it like for as a season? Getting to play. I, I know I talked to your coach during the uh, pandemic year, and she made a great point to me that I that, that I kind of sat with me the rest of the time. You basically had two classes who had never played college basketball entering the Goldfarb Gymnasium on October 15th to start things off. That had to have been an interesting dynamic. and then. Even for yourselves, you guys hadn't had really any games in about a year and a half or so. So I think for me, it wasn't too bad just because my freshman year, I got to have a lot of experience. I think just integrating our freshmen and sophomores probably was the biggest trick, but they were all like sponges. They took in everything that we were um, telling them. We sort of had a culture that we were trying to build and they were all very receptive. Um, Right now we're having basically four um, freshmen, we like to call all of of them, playing majority of the time since our starting point guard went down with an ACL injury. So um, our sophomore point guard has been doing a phenomenal job. And I think they're all just like very in tune with what our coaches are saying, what I'm saying. Um, So honestly, I think it's just trust that we sort of talk about every single day in practice and having confidence in the work you put in on the off season, because we started the first day of class on August 30th um, and we haven't really let up since. So I think just like that constant repetition, the constant um, thought of knowing that the girl next to you has the um, utmost confidence in you is what's kind of been propelling us forward. Uh, Even uh, as a team that I certainly was close to considering, I call games at McDaniel. I'm near the Centennial Conference. I'm not far from your gym. I know the program well. I still felt that you guys flew a little under the radar this year. Did did it seem that way from your perspective? 
We thought so. We thought we were doing pretty good. You told us that you just said that we were top five in defense. So we were taking a lot of pride in that. And we were just like, okay, I guess no one else is going to see it until we get to the tournament. So I think that's kind of feeling us right now. Of course, we wanted the title, the conference championship, something we've been um, working for. But now we have more basketball to play. So I think just knowing that we hadn't been ranked and knowing how good we know how good we are, um, I think that is making us even more excited. And then even hosting, being back in Gulf Harbor is super exciting. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Something that jumped out at me was the start of your season. You lost to Susquehanna out of the gate, 65-41. Then you played York, and it was a 42-31 win. That's not a halftime score. That was the actual score. Then the next game against Stevenson, three days later, it's 83-54 a win. Marymount 79-43 a win, and against Muhlenberg 62-52, then you lost to Gettysburg 67-58. Those are scores all over the place. Was that you guys finding yourselves a little bit and other teams maybe dictating things? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the biggest um, parts of identity right now is rebounding. In the Susquehanna game, our first loss, they out-rebounded us by, I don't know if you have the stats, but it was a pretty bad margin. Um, so we were like, okay, we're going to change that. And then the next game, I was like, okay, we're having a little trouble scoring. And I know for me, having not played in two years, basically, I started out uh, very much below my average on those first two games. Then I got a little bit more comfortable. I think the team started gelling a little bit better on offense once we uh, had a few games on our belt. So I think that's why we were so, so, so successful in that Stevenson tournament. Um, and then in, in that Gettysburg game, I think we were all just like looking to score and then just finding different ways to stop them. But that game was definitely kind of all over the place. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. You, of course, did have that game against Gettysburg early on, 67-58 in November. So to some ways, that one has to stick in your craw for a long time because you're not going to get a chance to see them again until February. How much did that drive you guys? Because you ended up with a win at their place by three on February 10th. Was that the driving force the rest of the season? Yeah, Uh Kind of not really. It was sort of like, oh, we're playing for a championship or if we were kind of lacking during halftime, like not crashing the way we want it, not boxing out the way we want it, we were like, or this is why we lost this game. Like, because I think we lost the game pretty much in the fourth quarter and that game back in November. Um, so we just sort of reminded ourselves of that feeling because I think after that we went on our 15 game win streak. Um, and then once we got closer to that game in February, we lost our starting point guard. So we sort of had to reset everything we had been saying. Um, so it was sort of like, okay, pushing to the conference championship, pushing to next time we play Gettysburg, we need to do this and that better that we weren't able to do in that in that fourth quarter when we played them in November. Pundits like myself see the loss to Dickinson the next game after Gettysburg and go, ah, it was a trap game. They they were so focused on Gettysburg that they got the win. They were kind of on cloud nine. They weren't focused on Dickinson. Is that what was happening? Or as you were saying, you, that was what, game four or five without the point guard? Were you still trying to adjust? Um, I think that game was very much fatigue. Uh, we had a lot of, I think we had had three, uh, three game weeks at that point. Mm -hmm. We hadn't really let fatigue catch up to us the whole season. So I think we kind of chopped that game up to fatigue because we um, very much in our pregame talk and our warmups, we were like, we can't overlook Dickinson. We can't just like relax now. Um, and then so it kind of just got under uh, 
And also we were pretty good at closing out games because we had sort of an older lineup with our starting point guard and another senior who played um, my freshman year, Aaron Walsh. Um, and then we kind of got the younger squad. So I think being able to have those tight games with them was just as important leading into the tournament. Uh, you scored your thousandth point in that game, interestingly enough. So kind of bittersweet to get that. You did it in three years. You're in your top 15 in scoring in, in Hopkins history and only your third season of playing that that's pretty phenomenal yeah I was really excited I think uh Howie the point guard I keep mentioning uh she probably has a lot of assists because she was she did a lot for those thousand points so um I just like thanked all my teammates uh so much I was like sad that that game didn't happen on a win but it was an exciting moment and so you played Gettysburg in the conference championship close game 43-40 uh, at their place, on you know, obviously not what you wanted, but you guys at least played them tight. What is what are those games taught you that that is getting you ready for NCAA tournament play? I think just closing out games because uh, we were leading the entire game. I would say up until the last like six or seven minutes, um, and then so just like knowing when we go into the huddle and coaches drawing up a play, everybody has to be at the top most focus um, because closing out games was something we were really good at at the beginning of the season. And now we've almost got a little lax on it. So I think in practice this whole entire week, we've been uh, stressing being focused and like trusting yourself, trusting what the coaches are drawing up um, and just being in tune in every single play. How important is it to be playing at Goldfarb? So important. Um, we're so excited to be playing in front of our fans. The Gettysburg uh, video was not very friendly to us. Uh, so I think it's just going to, it also is just like so special because our senior day was so amazing and it was kind of bittersweet because we thought that was the last time um, we would be in those white uniforms, be um, in that gym playing in front of our own fans. So I'm just really excited about it. To like to also have the men's program playing so well as uh, on top of that, that, that both teams are into the tournament. It's there's only a handful of teams that get the experience at this year. Yeah. I think it's really awesome that our men's team is so successful. Um, I am pretty good friends with a lot of their captains. So I get to sort of like hear um, the inside of like their culture and what's motivating them. And it kind of keeps me up on my toes and like giving certain ideas to my coaches. And then also whenever I go in the gym, there's another men's player in the gym too. So just Mm -hmm. how they're working. And then um, just like, we like sort of feed off of that. Sure. Um, It's like super awesome to see them doing so well. Interesting enough, you got named conference player of the year. So did Connor Delaney. So it's a a Johns Hopkins sweep in the player of the year category. What does that mean for you and and Connor to be the best of the best in the centennial? Um, I think it's just really cool. Connor and I just, uh, like sort of like hey congrats congrats like that sort of thing but I think I watched him like all summer and I watch him even now and I think he's inspired some parts of my games I don't know if he's gonna watch this but I definitely never told him that (laughs) so I think for me it's been an inspiration especially because he's a little older than me and like how he carries himself in those moments so I think that's a really important part to my game I think for the um, the program that just like maybe attracts better recruits or like um, just sets us up better for the future. Um, and knowing that these programs are really, really strong and very competitive. Will Will you be playing women's lacrosse like Connor? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I've never played lacrosse ever. I thought I'd ask, you know, we're, we have so many similarities here. Figured I'd just check. 
Hey, tell me a little bit about your sister. Um, she scored fifteen hundred points in her career at Purdue. She's now a GA, I think, with their program. What, what's it? What's it like that a you're both having so much success in the college basketball game and and b making an impact on your institutions? Yeah, I think just watching her journey was like super inspiring, especially when uh, she became a captain her junior year. I became captain my sophomore year. So I was able to lean on her a lot on that front. And then in terms of scoring, um, I don't know how much you've seen of her game, but uh, she's she's a very big three point shooter mid range and she keeps it simple. Um, And I think I tried to like model my play after her. She's very uh, poised, like she carries herself with. uh, the way I'd like to carry myself. So I think just like seeing uh, the way she went about caring about basketball, caring about her teammates, caring about Purdue um, athletics, that sort of um, showed me how I wanted to go about my time at Hopkins. So she has like inspired me since I picked up a basketball when I was like eight years old. And then whenever I was struggling um, at my time here, she was the first person I would call. So I think it was just like really cool kind of going through that journey um, with her in the last few years. Her season got cut short short because she graduated in 2020 but um i think she definitely had like a great career there and it was something i was looking up to the whole time did you want to go d1 like her and and as a result how'd you end up at hopkins yeah so i did growing up i did um i tore my acl a total of three times um Two of those times were in uh, seventh and eighth grade. The other time was in 10th grade. So kind of, I never really had to sit out of school's basketball seasons, but I always end up having to sit out of summer basketball. So my recruiting was just a little off compared to my sisters. Um, So basically that junior summer going into my senior year was one of the only summers I really had to like, like have the coaches. So mine was pretty much my, uh, my AU coach reaching out to coach Bixby because she was like, Oh, she's a new coach. Like I'll see. And then I came on campus, played with the team. And I just felt like I wanted to be a part of that culture change. And coach Bixby has really let me do that. And I definitely think I made the right choice. Um, well, I mean, yes, you made the right choice. D3 is better than D1. We all know this, right? Yeah. I, I would tell my sister a lot um, how much she was missing out because she was playing big 10 and not, <laughs> I mean, Big Ten's only big when it's got three letters. That's all. I'm just saying. Hey, by the way, what are you majoring in? I'm majoring in public health and minor in English. Um, and I will be working at a consulting firm next year. So that's like pretty awesome. That's pretty impressive. Uh, what do you hope to do with that down the road? Do you have any ideas yet? Um, I was pre. I was planning to go to med school up until like three weeks ago when I just <laughs> okay <laughs> okay. <laughs> I completed the entire um, pre-med curriculum, and then I decided that I kind of wanted to go a different route. But uh, yeah. I may become a doctor in like five years or so. But yeah, that's right what the now. college ranks are for, man. You figure it out. <laughs> hey, Dear, I really appreciate it. Great to chat with you. Congratulations on the team. Quickly, uh, you have obviously a good challenge ahead of you. You got Mount St. Mary in their game uh, in the in the one you'll play. By the way, is that first or second? Is that going? Do you know? First. Yeah, we're second. You are second. Yeah, I figured you were. But considering it was built around Christopher Newport, I didn't want to assume anything. The good chance that should you win, you're probably playing the captains on the other side. I I, I assume you haven't looked that far ahead. What do you What do you make of uh, Mount St. Mary in the meantime? 
Um, I think we are just like playing it like any other game. We're pretty confident on our matchups because um, they seem like a smaller team. So we're going to use that to our advantage. Um, they like to run in transition, whereas we've like kind of slowed down a bit. So we're trying to play a half court game and just like work on our transition defense. And our coaches have kind of peaked a little at CNU. and We've seen some similarities in the way they play, play defense. So um, if the if it rolls in our favor, I think we'll be prepared because they have a, a bit of similarities that we've been able to prepare for. I like how you say similarities. They have the defense everyone calls 94 feet of chaos. <laughs> I don't remember you guys having that, but I'll, I'll let you have it. That'll be interesting to watch play out. Hey, like I said, great to have you. Thanks for the time. We always have got to give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Um, I would just say watch our game. <laughs> it's at 730 and cheer on the Blue Jays. Perfect. A lot of blue going to be in that gym from three of the four teams are all blue. Hey, appreciate the time. Congratulations. Remember, tell your sister you're in the better division. Clearly, we all know that. And uh, good luck to your team this weekend. Look forward to uh, catching up and watching you another time. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. De'Ara Odin joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they take on Mount St. Mary. First game before that will be Christopher Newport against Mitchell. Winners face off on Saturday. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue right along. We talk... uh, where are we going? Oh, yeah, Mount Union men's basketball when we come back. are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game when he shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com, which reminds me, you should check the email. Uh, we do have one email. We'll try and get to it at a later time. You're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, Phil Nagley says, random question people may appreciate hearing more about. How do they choose the independent site rep for the NCAA host sites? Well, we'll get into that later. I think sometimes it's uh, throwing a dart on the dartboard, seeing who's available. Um, you can also uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show as well. Of course, tw- Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, switch gears, talk. go back to men's basketball, one of the teams that um, kind of had to fly under the radar because, well, they're in the same conference as Marietta, was Mount Union. And they certainly gave Marietta quite a few good games this season, but they couldn't get over that hump, as it were. Nonetheless, they're still in the NCAA tournament. They got a chance at a deep run themselves. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, it's the head coach of the Purple Raiders. It is uh, Coach Fuline. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, David. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Hey, listen, I say flying on the radar, you're still number 11 in the top 25. <laughs> It's not like well, you're that far under the radar, but you're still under the Marietta radar. We are. And, and you know, I, here's what I would say. You know, they, they, they have made uh, us better um, as a program over, over my 10 years here. And, um, man, they're a tremendous team, and they are rolling in, in, at the right time. So, uh, you know, we, we, there's a deep respect there, for, I think, for both of us. Um, and we, we certainly like to see them on the other side. I think they would feel the same way. Four times would be, would be torture, but um, you know, they, they have some experience. Uh, they are very well coached and, you know, they just, they just had the better of us this year, but we made strides. You know, I, I was proud of our guys at, in that championship game, you know, knock down one or two more shots. Um, you know, it maybe it's a different game, but that's what they do. I mean, they just kind of, uh, they just find ways to win. So it's uh, a credit to them. Well, again, good close games against them much of the season. The championship game, as you mentioned, was a two-point loss, 63-61. You played them earlier on February 9th. It was the opposite. It was probably the only non-close game you had. Uh, it was at their place, and it was a 20-point game. And then you guys had played them earlier in the season. I'm trying to find it. Sorry. Can't yeah. seem to. That's. I hope you don't find it. No, it's right. Both of them were pretty you, ugly. <laughs> right. No, I forgot. Right. Yeah. Well, I get both- yeah, both of them were, were, were pretty ugly. Found it, um, by the way. Found it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they just they just kind of put their will to us. But, you know, going into that third time, uh, I think both teams felt, you know, the pressure was kind of off. And uh, let's just kind of go have a great game. It was a great atmosphere. And just so proud of our guys for how they responded. There was you – know, we were lacking a little toughness, which is hard for me to say about our teams. But – uh, those first two games, but they found something that last one, and hopefully that carries over. Um, interesting enough, I shouldn't joke with you about uh, accidentally putting in the wrong um, Twitter account because I ended up putting in the wrong Twitter account joking about it. <laughs> I put the NCAC go. in when I met the OAC. <laughs> oh, I digress. I'll fix that here in a minute. Um yeah, the earlier games, interesting enough, they scored 84 points in the previous two games both times, 84-59, 84-64. So I was going to make the joke, you improved at least between games one and two. It was five yes. points closer. But yeah, was it because both you guys knew that probably getting in, there was you know whatever it was for the championship, that that ends up being 
a very low scoring affair by their mark and a tight game as a result? I think, you know, it's the old adage of playing that team three times um, and, and both a very talented team. So when you play that third time, um, you know, we kind of know everything that's going to happen. And, and then it's just about trying to stop the other. And we both teams defended their tails off. And it was just – it was kind of a physical, brutal game. And that's what you expect in games, you know, just in general, but especially that third time. But, um, man, they got some unbelievable guards. You know, those two guys hit some big ones, Isley and Ellis. I mean, it's been like they've been there forever. And I, I told Jason Ellis after the game, I may walk him across the stage for graduation because – I'll be so happy when he's gone. Um, but, you know, we do. I mean, we, we take pride in it. And Heidelberg's the same way. I mean, that's a tremendous basketball team. Andy's done a great job. And I would not want to play them in, in the tournament. And I'm, there's a lot of great teams out there. But I just the, – the teams that I know about, I wouldn't want to play them either. Yeah, I get it. That's the other thing about this conference race was it was interesting. You had Heidelberg who was playing well. You had others who kind of emerged from the scene a little bit, kind of made it a little bit more of an interesting race. What was that like in general, just to have kind of different horses kind of coming down to the end? You know, it's when you start looking at that as a conference, um, just take great pride in the tradition of, of the great teams and, and, the, and our coaches in this, in this league are, are fabulous. Um, there's a lot of guys that came back from last year, you know, with, with the COVID year, so that had a lot to do with it too. There's just a lot, a great deal of experience and they were just great basketball. And, uh, you know, Otterbein emerged this year, you know, capital, they're always going to be good. I mean, it's just like you said, nobody wanted to play Muskingum. I mean, Travis's teams always, always play well. So it, it was just a full, um, you know, five months of a grind of just trying to find a way to win. Well, and also getting to play, you know, you yes. guys didn't, you got a few games in the OAC um, last season, but it wasn't what it was. It wasn't what everybody's used to. There's no pressure on that. And there's, you're just playing to play. So it had to been feel good to, to be playing for something more tangible this time around. You know, how the season ended in 19 and 20. You know, we're in the Sweet 16. Wittenberg's here. Um, you know, that, that, was, <clears throat> that was a tough one, man. That was a devastating thing. For, for our guys to kind of go through it. But when you look at it from a program perspective, you've worked so hard to get there. I mean, you're, you're rolling at the right time. I mean, we're just playing at, at the best we could play. And then, you know, they, it's over and we, we've all lived through that. But then that following year, Dave was almost as miserable, if not more sure. miserable, because you're not playing for anything. And, you know, when you hit that pinnacle and you just have that hunger and that fight to get somewhere, and then there's nothing there to play for. Um, just makes us grateful that we're talking right now and that there are four teams in Alliance, Ohio, ready to go tomorrow. Uh, it's just knowing what everyone has kind of gone through. There's just a, a gratefulness about it. Well, and also to some degree you get to, I mean, that year was kind of the breakthrough. You guys had gotten further into the NCAA tournament. You were, you were making a statement. Wittenberg obviously was in town, a winnable game, to be honest. Yeah a chance to take the next step and be in Fort Wayne as part of the last eight teams, a year we're supposed to go to Atlanta. That had to be the hardest part too, is because you guys had kind of taken that next evolutionary step with the program. It was, and, and it was, um, so you're upset about that. And then you're scared to death about what the heck's going on in the world. Right. You know, so, you know, you have all these, 
And, and the worst part is we couldn't be together to try to solve all those issues or at least be there for each other, uh, which which is kind of is the most hurtful thing. You know, I didn't see our guys until July. I mean, that's March, whatever. And we kind of just didn't get together until then. So um, but as a program, you know, you're just man, you, you kind of broke down that barrier. And um, like I said, you had your team peaking at the right time. Guys are coming together and then you just like who would ever guess something like that would happen. And, yeah. but it did. And I, that's what I'm proud about this group. There's some guys on this team that were part of that. Uh, the seniors who couldn't be there uh, texted me about a hundred times in the morning of the Marietta game. And they'll text me tomorrow and they just want these guys to, to play for them too, you know, and then, as somebody who's, who's, you know, been here now for, for, for a year, for some years now, that's where you take the most pride, you know, guys understanding what it takes um, and, and hoping, you know, they still want a piece of that. They want our team to have a piece of that puzzle, you know, to, to try to solve it for them that they didn't get to finish. You essentially have five guys in double figures. You're led by Christian Parker at 19 and a half points a game, nearly 13 points from uh, Ethan Stanislavski, you've got 12 and a half, just a little bit less than that, uh, than Ethan had by uh, Braden Poole. 10 points from Chris Painter Jr. and Daryl Newsom's at 9.7. So essentially five guys, double figures. Yeah, That's a lot of options for a team that scores 80 points per contest. You're getting a good chunk from those five, but more importantly, that means it's multiple options for everybody to pay attention to, I'm assuming. It is, and that's the only way we kind of know how to, to play. Um you know, just trying to make the right play. Now, having said that, you know, Christian has led us this year. Uh, he's been a beast as a sophomore um, for us, kind of helped us and shot such a high percentage. He's almost shooting 70% for most of the year from two, you know. So, uh, but we want to we want to share the ball. We want to be hard to guard. You know, you can't focus on one or two guys. Uh, but we took a, a big step. This group took such a tremendous step defensively. Uh, is what I'm most proud of. I, you know, they care about that side of the floor. Um, you know, when we're locked in, they, I mean, we can really guard. So we want to take that defense to a whole other level. It's not like the, some of the past teams that we've had where we shoot uh, three after three and, and try to make 14, 15 threes a game. This team's different. You know, we're just kind of built different. And it took me a while to kind of get used to it, but um, I'm enjoying it. I did just grind every every possession defensively and then try to find the best shot on offense. And it's it's worked out for us pretty well so far. Now you're averaging 80.85 on the offensive end, allowing 66.44, which is makes those Marietta games also a little bit more interesting. And they were kind of the opposite of that. Right. You, you, you guys were in the 60s, and the, they were in the 80s. Yeah. You're in the NCAA tournament now, obviously. You're, not, you're familiar with it. A bunch of the guys are familiar with it. You're at home, which you're somewhat familiar with as well. But a little bit of unfamiliarity coming. You got Stevens as your opponent. I don't know if yeah. you've ever played Stevens before. You've got um, Williams and Newman on the other side of that. Again, not sure you've played either of those programs before. I could be wrong about Williams. Yeah. Kind of an unknown weekend. Yeah, it is. Stevens, we have not. We've never played them. Um, you know, and, and they they have a nice team. You can tell they're very well coached. They're going to mix it up on us and play a lot of zone um, tomorrow night. Uh, so we've been trying to prepare for that the best we can. And then, you know, Newman was here uh, the last time we were uh, the the first time, I think in 15, 16, they oh, were okay. here. Um, we played them actually that, that first. Yeah. Game, that sounds so. familiar now. Yeah. 
And then Williams was here in 16. We hosted our Christmas tournament. Uh, All right. Yeah, they came and man, we had a great game. We lost by four uh, to them. And I think they ended up winning, uh, going to the Elite Eight or Final Four and and lost to Augustana that year. Oh, Um, right. Yes, that was that year. Yep. And listen, all I know is this the people in town think like the Celtics are here because they are so big. You know, they're walking around. They just, it doesn't look normal compared to some of the other teams and us. But, um, you know, that's it, it, great, though. You got four quality teams. Um, you know, they're going to tip it up tomorrow at 320. And, and again, just to be playing, uh, we just can't wait to have the opportunity to play tomorrow night. What do you guys have to do to get through the weekend um, with victories? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's what we talked about. If we defend, you know, if we defend, we'll give ourselves a chance. I think the offense will come. We usually get into a nice rhythm, especially at home. But, uh, man, we got a tough one tomorrow. And then, you know, if we're able to advance, it's going to be it's going to be an, another battle. But, you know, as you look at the brackets, I mean, everybody's going to have a tough, you know, first and second game. I mean, I think the brackets are as fair as possible. You know, at first you see a team like Williams in your bracket. You're like, oh, you know, but that's then you look at the other ones. And everybody's got a, right. you know, so um, I think it just goes to the the quality of Division three right now. Uh, I think this a lot of the student athletes staying for that fifth year, starting their grad school, yeah. whatever it might be, has a lot to do with that, too. Um, so it's going to make for a hell of a tournament. I just hopefully we can be involved in it. And I'm not on a beach somewhere in a couple of weeks. Oh, well, that's the truth. Uh, that at least you're not bad either, Dave. That no, no, no. Either. I get that. <laughs> you just don't want to do it too soon. Not I get yet. that. Not yet. Yeah. A uh, little birdies told me that the team's a couple doors down watching, and it's Durrell Newsom. Sorry, Durrell. <laughs> um, he loves it. My, my apologies, but that's also to make sure you're listening uh, there and, you go. and hearing us do this. Obviously, the culture has changed a little bit. You guys are a little bit more involved. I remember get, having you on the show a number of years ago, and it was trying to develop the culture that essentially football had. That 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 yeah. you you go and you're gonna winning is supposed to supposed to happen. Right. You're supposed to be good. That you should be the one everyone's targeting to try and beat. Yeah. Obviously, football's on another echelon. We're we're not trying to get to that point. I'm nobody in right. ba- you can't in basketball. There's too much parity. Right. Let's just call right. a spade a spade. Right. But is the program where you thought it would be now several years down the road? I it you know it's it's kind of been overwhelming. I I think um probably a little better than I ever imagined. You know, we've gotten so many talented guys that that believed in us um especially a lot of the northeast Ohio guys that have come here and, and just kind of form this, you know, Northeast Ohio against the world mentality. And, uh, and I'm proud of that, you know, being a high school coach, uh, I will always be a high school coach at heart, you know, and um, being able to, to try to gather some of the best high school players around here uh, with the coaches that I know it's, it's been, it's been second to none. Dave, all the parents are within, you know, 45 an hour. So they can come to all the games, you know, they eat together. I mean, that stuff matters to me. So, um, the culture I, hopefully never changes. We are a family. We'll always be a family. When guys are gone, um, they're still a part of it. And it's like all the great teams, you know, that are that are in the tournament or not even in the tournament. Um, we just needed to catch up. You know, you come here and we had some success as a, in high school and you see the football team and it's just different. And then you start looking, well, wrestling's like that. Well, volleyball, track, like we were the outcasts, you know, so. 
Um, I think that the thing that I was the most proud of, though, was by year three, um, getting that right group of guys together and winning the OAC. Like I thought it, it probably took 10 years off my life, um, but we had it won it in almost 40 years at, at Mountain Union. So that was a huge hurdle to get a group of guys to come in who believed and that changed the whole thing. You know, once you get one group, then guys want to come and play there. And, you know, we've been fortunate that, you know, this is uh, we had a couple sweet 16s, a few OAC championships so far. And we just want to like keep the crazy part about football is it just keeps happening. Like this is so hard. I don't know how they keep doing it. It drives me like it drives you nuts. to even try to think about it. So um, but like you said, we'll never be at that level. They're our biggest supporters. We're their biggest supporters. Um, so we're in this kind of together. I hear that. Uh, by the way, uh, Lenny Wright uh, has been um, – will be going into the Cosida Hall of Fame. I'm curious, has anything changed in the offices? Is there a red carpet out? Do you have to genuflect when Mr. Well, Wright know, walks so past? Is anything changed? Shrink his head a little bit getting through the office doors, you know. Uh, I did notice he got a new headshot. <laughs> See, you know, but, you know, without Lenny uh, right now hosting like this weekend would be oh, yeah. almost impossible. I mean, like there's so much experience there and, and the time he puts in to help us. I, I, I have to owe him several beverages. You know, <laughs> yes. I take care of him, though. No, I, I might I have to after what I just said, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, but his support and all the support, you know. You know, the best thing I didn't, I wasn't a small college guy, you know, I, like I said, I was a high school guy. So all this was kind of new to me. Um, and just, it's awesome. I mean, you're just your own little group of family and uh, being able to support and care about each other, everybody having a little piece to it, um, you know, just makes you feel good. And, and you want to be there for other people too and enjoy their successes as well. Um. I know you had a long and rough day. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. I know you got Thank a lot you. ahead of you, so I also appreciate your time. Obviously, yes. got to get ready. Um, and uh, Lenny, I'm kidding. I love you. you know that. <laughs> um, Mike, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? You know, I think everyone always says this, but for what you guys do, you know, and especially, you know, I was on that regional committee for the first time this year. Man, that, that you learn a lot. You know, you learn a lot. But just everybody, you know, the guys on, on Twitter um, who have been, I think Drew, you know, does a, a great job and, and, and Ryan and um, I can go through all the list of names and, and, and you look at it because it's math. And, and for people to take the time to kind of do that at our level is is awesome. I mean, I just can't I can't thank those guys enough uh, for doing that because it matters and it works like you, you need to see kind of where you're at and what needs to happen and what you need to do. And it does help in scheduling um, and all those things. And it took me a while to figure out, you know, how the system works, but uh, without those guys putting that time in and the passion in, uh, into doing that, um, you know, we would be, we would be trying to figure things out that we just can't. I'm, I'm an English guy, man. I ain't a math guy. So I appreciate all those guys and for you and for everything you guys do. Well, well said, and I agree with you. It's nice to have a community out there who, who a bigger community out there that gets it as well. Yeah. Hey, good luck this weekend. Have fun. Thank we'll look forward to you. talking you, you down the road and uh, enjoy it. And uh, now you've got one year under the, your belt for Rack. You can get yeah. all excited for next year. I can't, can't wait, buddy. Can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> hey, take care. Enjoy the weekend. All right. Thank you, Dave. Mike Feline joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Team is playing good basketball, 23-4, and 14-3. and three. As I said in the NCAA broadcast, if it wasn't for Marietta, uh, they'd probably be standing a lot taller 
in a lot of spotlights. But they are still number 11 in the top 25, which is saying something. By the way, out of curiosity, a check. I have number 11 as well. So uh, good program there. We'll see how they do this weekend. Again, um, they will be taking on Stevens on the other side of that. You got Williams versus Newman. Should be a good weekend of basketball there in uh, Alliance. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, go back to some women's basketball. We'll talk to Gustavus Adolphus. You're listening to women. You're listening to Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Should thank our partners at Sensible Sports Marketing, of course. Sensible Sports Marketing is proud to be the title, uh, proud to be part of this show. They're your go-to source for promotional products, uh, graphic design, printing, and web design for solutions catered to fit the D3 budget. For a quote or on your next project, visit GetSportsSense.com or call them at 1-800-575-4765. That's 800-575-4765. I also want to thank our partners at Jersey Genius for the ultimate display of all your jerseys. We've got a, a bunch of basketball jerseys using the Jersey Genius system, but they use, they're also very good for baseball jerseys, football jerseys, ice hockey jerseys, you name it. You got a jersey, they got a way of hanging it up for you at a reasonable cost. We'll have more about them in a... Uh, in our social media pushes here in the immediate future. And of course, I want to thank our partners at the NABC. National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many in Division Three, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, you can head to their website, nabc.com. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, thoughts, whatever, send them our way. We will be happy to try and answer them for you. Um, lots to talk about. We're going to switch back to women's basketball. Um, it was interesting. There were a couple times I wanted to jump in the Mayak, but I wasn't sure where to go. And then Augsburg was getting some attention, but we had the men on the show. So we decided, you know, we'll wait, we'll wait. Uh, we waited too long because the gusties of Gustavus Adolphus came in and ruined everything, at least in our plans. But for themselves, they certainly stood atop the conference, winning the conference, uh, and and knocking off Augsburg and also taking them out of the NCAA tournament, more importantly, punching a ticket themselves to the tournament for the first time in, in the last few years. Nice to see the Gusties back in, and as a result, perfect excuse for us to go back to the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline and bring in their head coach, Lori Clark. Uh, Lori Clark. Lori Kelly joins us on the show. My brain is checked out, clearly. <laughs> it is done. Uh, congratulations on the Mayak Championship. We'll talk a little bit of the quirkinesses of all that in a minute, but it's got to be great to, to punch a ticket, get into the NCAAs uh, via that avenue versus yeah. sitting at home hoping your name is called on Monday. Yeah, it's interesting. It was our first time at Gustavus in my 10 years. Uh, this was our third NCAA appearance, but it was the first time sitting in that room with your team, knowing that your team, your, that your name was going to come up versus hoping. So, you know, with only 20 at-large bids, you're very fortunate to have that feeling of cutting a net down and just enjoying the ride. Yeah, I, I was, I thought about that because I was doing my notes for Monday and I, I ran out of time to double check that one. So in other words, I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> Uh, yeah. on whether it was the first one you guys had punched. Cause let's be honest, this is a different Mayak. It's St. Thomas, uh, Augsburg had risen up with, there've been other teams. Certainly it was tough to win this conference over the last 10 some odd years, especially. So I wasn't sure if you guys had been able to enjoy that Monday. What was that like to just kind of sit back knowing you were going to hear your name. It's just a matter of where. Yeah. I just think it takes off that relief. It was more about where you're going, not if you were going. And so, um, you know, I played for Ted Reverso at Augsburg. So he was my college coach. I'm, a, I'm actually a St. Thomas graduate. So, um, you know, I'm very familiar with the Mayak as a player and as coach. And uh, we we went into a very difficult game against a quality team at Augsburg and we're fortunate to just come out ahead. So Monday was a lot of fun to go to the office to see your coworkers and other student athletes to see you there in the, in our, we have a big glass room that we call the NCAA room where we were all together with our administrators and many fans. So it was, it was a really fun experience. We have such a young team. I mean, I mean, there's none of the players on our team with the, with no NCAA tournament the last couple of years. Uh, we're a very, very young team. So we have a, we had a sweet 16 run, a, you know, a, a number of years back and none of these players have been part of that experience. So for, for me to, to see them enjoy this is really sit back. And I, I just kept saying, I want to get out of their way because they seem to know what they're doing. Well, you guys had also a bit of an up and down season, and I don't mean in terms of wins and losses. It's just uh, looking at results. I, I dove in. I'm like, oh, it looks like they may not have had the season they were ex or a game they were expecting. Or ex as I said, uh, you know, um, Augsburg was kind of taking a little bit of the light away from everybody sitting on top of the of the conference. But you lose the first game at Simpson and they handled it 85-61. 
You lose your second game against Augsburg, 55-46, and then you lost to Bethel, and then you lost to St. Mary's. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I, I can't put my finger on who this team is. You point out young, and that had probably had a lot to do with it, right? Yeah, so Dave, I had, uh, you know, with our team returning this year, we had two, our starting four and five player were both coming back. Caitlin Worman, uh, a freshman, uh, former player for us, was the rookie of the year out of the West region. And uh, I, I believe the best player in the MIAC coming in this year. And then our fifth year senior was coming back. Well, Caitlin Worman decided not to enroll back in school, actually got engaged and has kind of moved on. And our fifth year senior got an unbelievable job offer and ended up not coming back. So we lost our starting and four and five player. And on the third day of practice, our best overall guard, I thought Tori, I believe what was our best overall guard, tore her ACL. So three of our top five players, not back. Uh, we have sophomores that played behind a veteran senior group last year. It's the first time in my 24 years of college coaching, I had zero returning starters. Wow. So it was really crazy to me. So we play three freshmen in our top seven, uh, three sophomores with none of them, any college experience. So we come down to Simpson and our game opener with five seniors, a veteran program, uh, our starting point guards, a freshman that she's sitting out with a concussion and you didn't know what was going to happen. So if someone would have told me back in November, we were going to have a 20 plus win season, win the conference championship after all of those things happened, I probably would never have believed you. So this has been a really wonderful experience for them and for our team. Uh, I'm having a really great time with them. If anybody had told you what you were going to go through, you probably would have said, no, thank you. No, no, yeah, not what I signed I up for. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and you know, a couple of weeks ago, I lost my dad un Oof. unexpectedly. And so it was been, it's been really a tough last couple of weeks has been really hard. I'd never lost a parent, didn't know what that was like. Um, and my team has been my rock. I, I feel like they're the ones that have kept me standing upright. So um, it's kind of been bittersweet to be enjoying this with them at the same time, trying to experience the loss of a parent. So, you know, I look at my team on and off the court. They're just such amazing young women that um, I feel so privileged that I get to be part of their lives. And I keep joking. I just got an angel up above that's been helping us out. So, um, yeah, so it's, we're just going to sit back. I, and they don't even really know what an NCAA tournament means. So you come into the gym and I, I don't think they really get it. So it's, it's almost <laughs> for us, just go out and play and whatever happens, let's enjoy the ride. No, fair. Uh, not that I can compare, but my father is, uh, had, had a, a rash of visits to the uh, hospital of late. Nothing horrible, but enough to make me yeah. start thinking twice. So I can't imagine what you've gone through uh, to yeah. have something happen suddenly. Uh, my best to you and your family. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm curious because one of the interesting things about what your season was, and, and again, it was almost about redemption in the last nine games. Because you got the win over Augsburg, 67-50. It was a 17-point win. Um, you then took on Augs uh, you took on Augsburg, obviously, in the championship game. But before that, you took on Bethel. And you absolutely dominated them by 34. These are teams that you guys had lost to not that long prior to. What was, what was the switch? Was it just that everybody started playing confident? Uh, they really learned how to play defense. If you look ah. just statistically... We I mean, people, I, you know, we were keeping people under 50 points. So it takes your pressure off your offense. Um, you get stops that gave you opportunities in, in transition. People kept asking us down this last stretch. And as a coach, I just kept saying, I'm trying to stay out of their way and not mess it up. Uh, yeah. They really, they just, they just seemed to click. When it went to nominations for our all-conference awards, here we're the second team in the league. I was struggling to find people to nominate because statistically, 
we just don't have a superstar. Sure. I mean, we, we're deep. We play not, you know, we're, we're de- we have a lot of depth. And when someone's not playing well, there's really somebody there to kind of step in. And I think that's been a huge key for us. We, we don't play somebody a lot of minutes. Typically uh, we're able to get stops and they really play team basketball. So uh, they're happy to pay, make one extra pass or dive on the floor for a loose ball. And that, I think that's been the enjoyment on and off the, the team, this chemistry where they genuinely just really enjoy being together. Uh, you guys are in that lower left-hand corner at Oshkosh. I'm sorry, at Simpson. Oshkosh is there. They're taking on Wisconsin Lutheran. You guys are taking on, oh, Simpson. Oh, that's right. We've yeah. seen them before. Yeah. Kind of a little bittersweet to be playing that game. Uh, you know, I, the game, the team that we were in November, we're, I don't even know who that team was. When I watched the film the other day, I kept thinking, wow. Um, and Simpson's not the same team either. But from where they were to where they are now, there's no question the growth between the two of us. We just started so much farther behind. Um, we're young. And I don't mean to say young and dumb, but we just really don't know. Our, our players don't know what it's like. Um, I think the advantage we have is Simpson's got five seniors. They have a sixth-year senior in Jenna Taylor. Um, this is it for them. I think as you're – I remember being in that final year as a college athlete. There's a lot of pressure to – to do it, something that you want to do so badly. And I think that plays to an advantage for us in the sense we got nothing to lose. They, if both teams play their very best basketball, Simpson's going to win that game because of their experience and the talent that they've been able to develop over those four and five years they've been in this program under a really wonderful coach in Brian. Um, but that's why you play the basketball games. I sat in my living room last a week ago, Sunday, waiting for Gonzaga to turn it on when they were playing at St. Mary's on the men's side. And there I am at 10.30 or 11 o'clock in my, in my living room, and it just doesn't happen. And you look at number one and number two and number three and number four, all the way to number six, yeah. all drop on the same day. So it's the excitement of college basketball that I love. It's Arizona women losing today 45-43 to right? Colorado I mean, in a Pac-12 game with 45 points. So I just, the excitement of it's just, it doesn't matter if they're a better team all, most of the time. You just have to be better, the better team one time. And so that's kind of the approach we're taking to the game. I was going to say, cause there's there with a young team, you've got nothing to lose here. Even if you lose oh, the yeah. first game, the Simpson, not that you're supposed to lose it. I don't want to say it that way, but yeah. I mean, you're, you're building the next year anyway. Yeah. We have everybody back in our top I mean, We for the next two years. So it's the exciting part of getting a chance to be part of the NSA tournament, to have a taste of what this is like. You're really trying to build that. You're, you're basically trying to become the, the new St. Thomas of the Mayak is you'd like to be that elite team that I, you know, I said, not only do I want to see our name on the board, I want an asterisk by the board. I want to, we want to host, we want our gusty fans yeah. in, in St. Peter and around that area. We want them to fill our gym. And so that's a, a carrot that you throw out to these young players of this great experience. And when it comes to an end, you have a taste of it and you want it again. So what will you do in the spring and the summer and the fall leading up to October 15th of 2022 to get ready for that? What was it like? You, you talk, you don't want to win too much like St. Thomas, cause they might throw you out of the conference. Um, what's it like not to have your alma mater there? Uh, I get to cheer for him for the first time. Fair. A long time. You know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you, I, I can never say anything except positive things. I had one of the most incredible college experience, won sure. a national title as a player that I, I, my, my closest friends are my lifetime friends are my teammates from St. Thomas. Um, one of their freshman players actually is one of my teammates daughters. So to have that part of now I get to be a fan, I've been up to see them play. I'm excited for them to make this next step. 
um, where I did, I wasn't cheering for them before. So um, I do love that. I, I miss the rivalry of having St. Thomas. I do. And uh, they're an incredible program and they're going to obviously take some lumps along the way here as they go into division one, but it really, it makes the, the league a lot more equitable. I don't know if that's good or bad in our league, but um, I, I wish them well. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan all, all over again. Yeah. That that's a fair vantage point. I, did, I didn't consider it's true. You can, you can root them on and not be, be hating it at the same time. Now I can make a donation to their program and it, it doesn't, it's not like taking away from my own. So <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah. Hey, Lori, I appreciate the, the time. I appreciate the insight. Uh, congratulations to the team. Really awesome to see them dancing here, even if they don't know what it means. Uh, and, yeah. and good luck against Simpson. And if, should you win, whatever happens from there, we always give the guests the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I just, I mean, thanks to all our fans and, and the people that have been supporting our program along the way. Uh, they're just incredible young people and they're great students. And um, we're happy to be able to represent Gustavus and the Mayak here in the, in the NSA tournament and, and here on your show. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks again for the time. I know you're busy and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks, Dave. Lori Kelly joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. They've got Simpson. They're literally booking, bookending the season. They got Simpson uh, coming up. They played him beginning of the season. We'll see how it all plays out. Take another break. When we come back, keep talking women's basketball. Head back to the East Coast. Southern Virginia player joins us to talk about her team. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. 
That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Also live simulcasting the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Phil, I still see your question about how they uh, depend, uh, assign the independent site rep. I'll get to that in a bit. Don't forget, coming up, we'll also hear from a couple of the guys on who they picked to make the Final Fours in both men's and women's basketball. And no, I'm not one of those you'll get your picks from. We'll explain to that in just a bit. Got one more guest coming up, and it's another uh, another student athlete uh, back into women's basketball, talking Southern Virginia, a program that moved into the USA South this past season uh, after a number of years in the CAC. And, uh, well, of course, they go win the conference. Uh, not a bad way to do things. They've got a, an All-American on their team and Katie Garish, who is certainly helping lead the way at the forward position. Uh, one of the reasons that they're in this position. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, as I realize now, I haven't, hold on, got to gotta make one adjustment here. You're going to wonder which team she plays for. Joining us there and uh, talk about her squad is the aforementioned Katie Garish. Katie, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially considering you guys are on the road. So I appreciate you finding some time on what I know is not a normal schedule for all of yeah. you. It's been fun though. You know, we're adaptable. That's our main word that we always use. So, well, there's some truth there. Uh, I know you have to be a little adaptable when you're on the road. We should point out you're in your first ever NCAA tournament as a program. Yeah, it's exciting. We're honestly honored to be in this position. We couldn't have asked for a better setup and we're excited. You guys are taking on Shenandoah. I jokingly said it on the, think on the uh, NCAA broadcast, if not on Hoopsville, because the Monday blurs together in my head. Um, it's the I-81 battle at Transylvania. Uh, yes, we could have, we, we could have played this in Virginia. Oh yeah. Yeah. We could have, it would have been easier on us, but it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's a fun adventure for both of us. <laughs> Transylvania is a, is a cool place in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, and obviously they're having a tremendous season, Washington Jefferson on the other side of that. What is it like? Cause it feels like Southern Virginia. And I don't remember what the timing is with you, but it felt like the program kind of made a splash, looked like they were on the precipice of maybe getting a chance to be in the tournament. Granted, being in the CAC, Christopher Newport, Salisbury, Mary Washington, you know, those behemoths uh, certainly were a roadblock to some degree, but maybe isn't at large. But you change conferences, and I don't know if you had expectations, but suddenly that's the way you get in. It's the automatic qualifier through the USA South, which will obviously change in the year's time anyway. What, what's those emotions like? Because this program is feel like it's on the verge of this making this move for several years now. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, we just keep moving forward, um, keep, I don't know, improving, doing it the best we can to, um, you know, move this program forward. And, I mean, I'm here just to set an example. You know, Coach is doing all the work, and she's um, keeps finding the players that she needs to just build this program up, and she's doing great at it. You've had, have you had the coaching changes under you? Yeah, I've had three coaching changes so far in just right? my college career. How's that yeah. to adjust to? Uh, yeah, um, well, the same has happened to me in high school. So um, I guess I could you could say I'm pretty adaptable as well. <laughs> but having those three different coaches, you know, was an experience. And it's been fun playing for each one of them. Um, I'm glad that Lynette has stuck with us and 
you know, <laughs> push through to get this uh, conference win. Yeah. Okay. So you, a lot of coaching changes that that's gotta be strange. I assume everybody comes in with a different philosophy, a different mentality of what they want to do offensively, a little different defensively. So yeah, there's flexibility, but how much does that mess with your game or how much does it fit in your game? Um, I don't think it has messed with my game as much because each of those coaches were able to um, see their strengths and know how to utilize them perfectly. Um, they've been able to bring in, you know, the guards that we need that also fit with my style and that we're able to just flow and build that chemistry all together. Again, the season was 24 and four. You lost the first game of the season against Christopher Newport and lost to Rochester. And then you lost your third game to Mary Washington. You suffered your first three games in the first six season, six games of the season. You were three and three after that. Oh, by the way, you're 21 and one since. Mm -hmm. What was that first six games like? Because it was almost a little bit of heading down familiar roads playing Christopher Newport, but you also took on TCNJ. You took on non-Division three Virginia State. You had a lot of interesting games in those opening six. Yeah, well, our goal was to play tougher teams so that it could prepare us for, you know, our conference um, play. Um, we really set that up so that we could challenge ourselves and just improve as much as we could. Um, playing Christopher Newport right off the bat, I think, helped us learn a lot about what our team could do. And so in, in all different aspects, we grew from all those, you know, wins and losses from that preseason. Was was it – I don't want to say that the schedule got easier because the USA South certainly isn't easier, but what changed from those opening six that allowed you guys to go on this run since? I think, well, we had a lot of freshmen come in, so we had to start building that chemistry with them. And so those first couple games really got us to learn who works well together and who can really, you know, come in off the bench hot and, you know, keep it kicking um, during those games. And so I think that helped us a lot in just building – chemistry in the preseason and then just taking off and knowing what we could do during our conference play. The only other loss you suffered was on February 9th at Greensboro, which ended up being a little bit of a deciding factor because they ended up hosting the conference tournament, though they lost, uh, I want to say in the semifinals, can't remember off the top of my head, which kind of opened the door to the championship. Was that bittersweet or was it almost uh, easier to be playing at their place and a little pressure off? We actually played at home for our we we won the coin toss oh, right. and stuff. So yeah, it was, I forgot it was about an upset. That. <laughs> it was Sorry. an upset that we did lose to them because that was very unplanned. We do plan to win every game, so it was an upset in that sense. But true. But it was um, really exciting for us to play at home, and so and we were yeah yeah we were prepared. I was gonna say because sometimes playing it somewhere else in and kind of it being neutral kind of takes a, a little bit of the edge off. You're not at home where there's expectations, but you're also not in your own bed. But on the flip yeah. side of that, neither's anybody else. and so everyone's kind of playing on like you are this weekend, kind of a neutral game in that first one. But as you said, being home's nice, you know, get to sleep oh, yeah. in your own bed. You don't have to worry about it. It's your routines and such. Was that key to being where to, to punch in the ticket? Um, I, yeah, I think playing at home plays a big part in it. Um, we love all of our, all of our fans. They play a big part in, um, you know, hyping us up during the game and keeping that energy flowing. And so, yeah, I would definitely say as it played a big part in, um, this tournament, past tournament. <laughs> what are you looking ahead? You got, um, Shenandoah now at this game against Transylvania, obviously a team that's up 81, but I don't know when the last time you guys may have played them. 
Um, it was about two years ago, I believe. Was it two years ago? Does does yeah. that help you going into this one, having some familiarity? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think any experience with you know their coaching style or just the, the players that they recruit or anything like that helps us in all aspects. You guys obviously had last season taken away. You played some, but it, it it's obviously a little bit different. You've had the coaching changes. There's been high expectations as well. You're an All-American, so certainly getting a lot of attention. What's the last two years been like? The last two years have been interesting, and I think it kind of builds on that word adaptability because of the whole pandemic. But I think it was a good recharge for our program, too, just for coaches to you know take a step back and really think about the program that they wanted to build, and I think they really took off with that. That's an interesting take. So a chance to rebuild or retinker when you have no pressure to – in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. How's yeah, it? Yeah, we definitely Go ahead. didn't take any time off. I'm sorry. We didn't take any time off. You know, even when we couldn't get inside the courts, I, I know multiple multiple of us girls were, um, you know, constantly trying to find a court, even outside, just trying to work, do the best we could. What about for you? Is this a program that I don't know how much, what your eligibility technically is. Can you come back for another year? Do you want to come back for another year? Is this it? If I could, I would. But unfortunately, this is my last uh, year that I could play. So, What's the yeah. major? I'm a business major. <laughs> <laughs> so was I. Um, clearly, I'm not doing much with it. Uh, don't follow my road. Um, what, are you, what are you hoping to do with it? Um, I don't know yet. I've looked into real estate and I've looked into a couple of other options, but honestly, it was just the door that I think would open up to endless possibilities. So that's true. No, that's so. absolutely true. What you now have this, I mean, to some degree, you know, that the career ends, whether it's tomorrow or it's in three weeks, two weeks, I guess. Can't do the math right. Um, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Does that put pressure on yourself to try and, and get that extra game in? Does it, do you feel that pressure or is it just to enjoy it? I feel no pressure right now. It's just to end it out strong and as hard as I can. So that's my goal right now for go as far as I can. And as far as, you know, my team can, we can push through. What attracted you to Southern Virginia? You know, all aspects. I like the small town and I like, you know, how all the connections that you can build there with the small community. And it's just very welcoming to me. I forgot to check. I'm checking now because I'm just running behind. I meant to see where you were from. And, oh, from Virginia. So you certainly know the area. You know the Yeah. What is it about the the team that is that is work that worked out so well for your game? Um honestly, it's just we're like family. We yeah. uh, build off of that and we continue to build off of that building those connections and you know, I don't know, we have that connection and that chemistry. You're right about flexibility because I'm, I'm thinking this through. You've had three coaches. You had the pandemic. You had two different conferences. Uh, you had different, obviously, out-of-conference schedules as a result of all of that. Different games meaning different things. That's got to be a huge advantage moving forward that you know that you've, you've experienced just about every curveball that could be thrown at you, at least in the playing side of things, that there isn't much that you're not going to be able to handle maybe moving forward. <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite favorite part about the game and, and and whether it was you're playing it or being in it? What's a, What is it about the game that, that you love so much? 
Uh, I just like the adrenaline rushes I get from the crowd and also like our teammates, just when we, you know, share a moment together and we all get to, I don't know, bond in that sense of, you know, we worked so hard to get to where we are and we worked so hard to get this win or even just like a simple bucket or a really nice play. Just having that connection with um, people that I love and I know love me. Uh, 15 points a game, nine rebounds a game. Um, I notice you shoot 53% from the floor, but you haven't taken a three. <laughs> I'm just, just random thought. Maybe throw one up there just, just for the fun of it or just, no. Yeah, that's the long going joke in my family and on my team that I will eventually, you know, shoot one. So time we'll to run see. it out. It's be a surprise. <laughs> you might have to I'll chuck one up just to get in the stat sheet. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Get 100%. 72 blocks, by the way, on the season as well. Well, geez, three blocks per contest. What is it about players? Do you think when it comes to getting blocks, do you think they there's just they think there's no chance you're going to get to it? Because there's times I've watched players take shots against block shot shot blockers, and I think to myself, what were they thinking? That thing was going to get rejected the moment it came out of their hands. Is is there a gamesmanship in there about that? I think they might underestimate my length. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can I get I that <laughs> yeah i've seen some yeah. players it's just funny it's like oh they're going out for the shot i'm like i knew it was a block three seconds ago like the second you decided that was going you there was no chance so i'm always curious like what it's to, like to be the like shot blocker you can't read mine yeah yeah i don't know is it about timing is it about knowing the opponent and their nuances what what what's the trigger that gets that gets the right timing on that um, yeah, it's probably being adaptable and, you know, waiting for when you know that they're going to take the shot, but it, a lot of it does have to do with timing. Is it, do you get you more, be so close and still miss it. do you get more at the beginning of a game or more near, near the end when you've started to figure a player out? Um, if they don't adapt to my block shots, uh, it's probably more towards the middle. Okay. Honestly. That makes sense. Sure. <laughs> no, it does. Cause early on, you're trying to figure them out. And later on, they finally have probably woken up going, you know what? I, I should probably stop doing that. It's not going well. Uh, Katie, uh, congratulations. Yeah. Um, you've been an All-American in the past. What does an honor like that mean to you? Um, and and is that something that you hinge a season on that you want to repeat as an All-American? You want to be an All-American? Or is it just a nice token and it's not the end of the world? <laughs> it is a nice token and it's not the end of the world if I don't get it. But I... I do strive to do the best I can, um, but I can't do that without my teammates. So, you know, that's, it's something that I strive to, to get for my teammates and for my team just to be together. Well, congratulations on the career. Uh, looking forward to seeing what happens this week. Uh, I was in, um, I was in the Beck Center 10 years ago uh, at this day or recent day. I've lost track of dates here. Uh, and there were tornado warnings. So I'm glad at least the weather is better for you uh, at the yeah. Beck Center. Uh, enjoy it. Congratulations to the program. Congratulations to you. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you for anyone that has um, come to watch us play and and supported us in all aspects of our game and what we bring. We appreciate all the support from everyone. Well said. Congratulations again, and uh, look forward to seeing you play this weekend. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you maybe somewhere down the road.
Thank you. <laughs> Katie Garris joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they take on Shenandoah. That's a 430 game. Uh, Transylvania uh, has the other game, and that one is against Washington and Jefferson, and obviously the winners play on Saturday. When we come back, our uh, prognosticators give us their predictions and who they think will win or get to the Final Fours, at least in men's and women's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we get to into our final bit of the show, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can ask us questions on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Phil Nagley asked this question earlier. Um, wants to, how do they choose the independent site reps for the NCAA host sites? Basically, the simple answer to that is it is usually committee members, um, national committee members, RAC members, whomever is available. That said, they're not always available. I was talking to one coach who got asked to go do a women's bracket. I'm remembering which one he was asked to go to, but he was tied up with something else. And so they found someone else who I don't even think is on the rack. Um, sometimes it's just another coach who's got some availability and is, is comfortable doing it. Um, in sports like lacrosse, for example, I have seen D one coaches at D three games 
because lacrosse, it's a little bit of a different community. So I, I literally saw Tony Seaman, who was head coach at Towson at the time, site rep at Stevenson for men's lacrosse. So crazier things have happened. But usually it's it, it can be a national committee member. It can be a RAC member. Those are usually the first two choices. Somebody who's nearby. I was talking about that Transylvania um, event where we were under tornado warnings. That was being done by Hanover's men's coach who was on the committee at the time. So it really depends. Uh, depends on location, depends on other factors and such. So they usually try and find somebody who's relatively close as well. Um, that's how they kind of do it. Um, by the way, I, we didn't mention this on Monday, Sean. I meant to. Uh, remember, we talked to the officials, the head of officials for Division Three men on the Sh- Hoopsville Marathon. He was putting together, he was in, in Indy, unless something changed. He was putting together who was going to be officiating these games based on all kinds of names and, and resumes that he had in front of him. And so he was working on that Monday when we were putting our bracket out or doing the bracket show. I believe that also happened on the women's side. And so I don't know the, the as many details on the women's side, but the men's side, we used to see a set of officials. That official was done for the, you know, if we saw him in the first round, we didn't see him the rest of the tournament. If we saw him in the second round, we didn't see him the rest of the tournament. That's changed. They now get the best of the best, who they think are the best officials. They make sure they get them to the places they need to get them to. And if they do well, they may, maybe do it the next weekend, the second weekend, and and they may move on to the championship weekend, or they might do the first weekend and then skip the second weekend and do the championship weekend. It's not... It, yes, there's considerations on who, if those officials have seen those teams. It's more about that they don't work them regularly. Uh, there used to be a, a, an idea that they didn't see them for the last two some odd years, but that that has gone a little bit to the wayside. They may have seen them in a non-conference game. For example, though... An official who works a particular conference, they will not work that team's games because they work that conference uh, and probably work them. So I meant to mention that on Monday's show. Those officials have been assigned. We'll see how that all plays out. There's some – the officiating, yeah, you're going to have to adjust, but you've got to remember just because you're – well, let's take a random example. We're at Stockton and in the NJAC. You're not getting NJAC officials. So even Stockton's going to have to adjust to officiating, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that you've got to adjust to, to officials all the time. Plain and simple. That's just the way it works. Um, let's see here. Double checking some things. Do, 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 do. Trying to see if we missed any emails. I, apparently having some issues with the computer today as we're... I don't know what it is, but we're still streaming. Still here. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's talk prognostications who might be in the championship weekends uh this week or or i should say in the men's and women's basketball course fort wayne on the men's side and pittsburgh on the women a reminder pittsburgh they will be playing thursday friday men will be playing friday saturday talking about maybe um trying to get to both semifinals if if it allows but uh there's a few reasons for that CBS Sports Network with their broadcasting also because in Pittsburgh they are hosting the D1 champion or the opening weekend as well. So there's a lot going on. But uh, we decided to ask the guys. So we asked a lot of those you've seen on our air uh, before about what, you know, who they think will make the tournament and who they think will get to the final fours and why. Some of them are very short and some are a little bit longer. But we figured we'd let them have whatever they wanted to say. 
and say it however they wanted to say it. So Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, uh, Ira Thor, and Scott Peterson sent in their replies to a, a whole host of people that we sent these to to see what their thoughts were on the champ on, on who they think will make the final four. So we'll start with men. This is the men's pick from um, Gordon. Uh, not Gordon, I, sorry. Bob, then Ira, then Ryan on who they think are going to make the final fours. Hey, Dave and Hoopsville Nation. This is Bob Quillman chiming in from Dallas, Texas with my Division Three men's basketball final four picks. On the right side of the bracket, I'm going to go with Marietta and Randolph-Macon, the number one seeds. On the left, I'm going to go with another number one, the Titans of Wisconsin Oshkosh. My one upset will be in the bottom left bracket where I'll take the Titans of Illinois Wesleyan to make it to Fort Wayne. Let's have a great tournament, guys. All right, everybody. Ira Thor from New Jersey City University, former SID here, now the university's senior director of university communications, but also a D3Hoops.com top 25 voter for almost 20 years. And here's a look at how I think this year's bracket will play out. I will share my screen. Here's a look at my bracket. And now I, I think the way that I've had the top 25 voting goal go in the last few weeks will also only be the way the four quadrants filter out. I'm pleased the committee separated Oshkosh, Mount Union, Marietta, and Randolph-Macon. Ultimately, Mount Union's dream season will end at the hands of someone other than Marietta, and Oshkosh will be the team to do so. Of course, the Titans are playing their best basketball right now. They won all seven games played in the month of February, and technically, they're still the defending national champions. On the right side of the bracket, the Marietta-Randolph-Macon matchup, I think, is good enough to be your national final. Alas, we'll have to settle for that in the national semifinals. Pioneers will have won 27 games in a row by the time they meet up with the Yellow Jackets, but ultimately, it will be Randolph-Macon getting by both Marietta and then finally Oshkosh. Now, you can make a strong argument that the last two national tournaments have been canceled, had they not been canceled, that Buzz Anthony and Miles Mallory would, well, maybe be playing for a three-peat this year. Finally, they'll be crowned national champions, and the Yellow Jackets will capture that long, elusive national title. Now, in terms of a couple of upsets to look out for, top right, I think that Yeshiva Stockton Hopkins pod, that, that, is, that is a nuts pod right there. I think Yeshiva still has the firepower to make a run. And I do think they'll get out of the weekend and also end up ending Christopher Newport's season in the Sweet 16 before they're ousted by Marietta. A few other upsets that I think could turn out on the bottom right quadrant. I think the sales has not looked good in the final weeks of the season. I think they'll get knocked out by Babson in the first round. I think Emerson's actually going to upset Mass Dartmouth as well. And on the top right, not sure how much of an upset it really will be, but St. John's will get by Platteville on the road, and they will reach the Sweet 16. And that's uh, my picks for this year. Dave, back to you. Hello, this is Ryan Scott, lead columnist for D3Hoops.com. Uh, for the men's Final Four, I've got Oshkosh and Illinois Wesleyan getting a rematch from the game they played in November. I have Marietta going through. And the final team is WPI. I think uh, Randolph-Macon is going to have just too much trouble getting by UMass Dartmouth. They won't be able to recover in time. And uh, the engineers will make it through. So Oshkosh, Illinois Wesleyan, Marietta, WPI. 
Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Uh, good thing we ran that after we talked about Anthony earlier today. Uh, good breakdown on uh, those picks. So how about the women's side of things? What do they think about those? Well, uh, we hear from Scott Peterson, Ira Thor, and Ryan Scott on that. Here are my final four picks for the women's um, NCAA tournament for 2022. In the Christopher Newport bracket, I've got Amherst coming out of that bracket, beating Christopher Newport to get there. In the Smith bracket, I actually don't think it will be Smith or Simpson. I've got UW Whitewater coming out of that one. Moving over to the bottom right, I think this would be called the Ithaca bracket, or maybe the Transylvania bracket. I'm not really sure. But in either case, I have Trine coming through and actually beating Mary Harden Baylor to do it. Been very impressed with Trine this year. And in the top right bracket, I think there's a lot of really solid teams here. Scranton, NYU, Eau Claire, and Hope stand out. But I do have Hope coming through in that bracket. All right, Ira Thor here from New Jersey City University, former SID, now the university's senior director of university communications. And although I don't vote on the women's top 25, here's a look at how I do see this year's bracket breaking out. I will share my screen and take a look at the bracket that I've put together here. And I got to be honest, I think We've been counting down to a Christopher Newport and Hope final all year long. I, I do think ultimately that's what we will see. I know I'm really going out on a limb here, but historically you see a lot less upsets on the women's side of the bracket than the men's. One national semifinal matchup that really would be intriguing would be the fourth matchup this year between Hope and Trine. Hope would win that and advance to the final where it will knock off CNU to win the title. Maybe somewhat of a surprise, I do have DePaul coming out of the bottom left quadrant of the bracket. Now, in terms of upsets, I think we'll have a few in the bottom of the Hope quadrant. Roger Williams is going to upset NYU on the road, and I have to give some love to my Gothic Knights. Four years ago, we were 0-21. We hire a new coach, Pat Devaney, and NJCU wins its first two conference titles in its 52-year history. They are 7-1 and in the postseason under Pat. The team is battle-tested. They've gone on the road to Tufts and Amherst this year, lost by four points to both national powers. And I think we get by Scranton tomorrow night and make the Sweet 16 before the Magic Carpet ride does end. So those are my picks for 2022. Christopher Newport, well, they won the national title women's soccer in Greensboro back in December. Dave and I called that matchup on NCAA.com, but ultimately they're going to have to settle for a national runner-up here in women's basketball in 2022. Dave, back to you. Hello, Ryan Scott here again, lead columnist for D3Hoops.com. For the women's Final Four, uh, I've been voting Hope, Trine, and Simpson as the top three teams all season. I think they've uh, separated themselves, and I've got them all going through to the Final Four. Uh, The last bracket, though, I'm pulling a surprise. I think the the ladies down at Trinity, Texas, have a really strong squad. They're battle-tested, and I believe they're going to be able to come out of that bracket. So Hope, Trine, Simpson, and Trinity for the Final Four. There you go. Great takes by all those guys. I really appreciate them taking the time to do that. Um, Ira, you've been giving you a full breakdown there. And he's right. He and I were on the championship call for Christopher Newport getting their first ever team championship in something other than, uh, was it indoor track and field? I think it is. He doesn't think they're going to win the championship. I don't know. Here's the deal. I don't pick 
uh, the men's final four or champions because I'm on the call for the um, the championships, uh, at least the semifinals. I won't be on the call for the championship. That is going to be it's at least Mo Casera as color. I'm not positive who play by play is. I'll have to check on that. Uh, anyway, nonetheless, uh, since I don't do it on the men's side, I'm, I'm not going to do it on the women's side. Just the way I do things. Um, certainly talk about teams that are coming out, the things I think you teams you should be watching. I think on the men's side, we'll start there. Upper left, you got to watch out for Oshkosh. Obviously, I think Case Western Reserve should be keep a close eye. You know, I don't know if they can pull the upset on Oshkosh, but um, why not? Mary Hart and Baylor is going to be a tough team to watch. Platteville might have something to prove. Um, and I, I watch out for Pomona and Chapman. Those two teams could get on a run, could make things interesting. In the lower left, Emory certainly in a great position. It's unfortunate they may end up playing Wabash or Barry in the second round. I've been high on Barry much of the season. Wabash has obviously had a really good season as well. Um, those are two top 25 teams playing in that one. Uh, that's unfortunate that we're going to see some really good basketball. And only one team comes out of that one. Um, Mount Union, I think, is a bit of a sleeper. I don't know what to make of Williams, 17-4 and on the season. Obviously, not played a lot of games, have had to deal with COVID. I'm not sure how much that's going to impact them. Illinois Wesleyan's got a tough one to come out of there, or you could argue Lacrosse has a tough one coming out of there, or you could argue Heidelberg has a tough one coming out of there. Heidelberg could be the sleeper in that group. Uh, Wash U, obviously keep an eye on them with Wheaton and Hope in the lower corner as well. Marietta, the only concern I have is getting past Rochester. I said this on another show last night. Uh, what I'm impressed with Marietta this year is, in years past, it feels like they peak early. They they peak maybe end of January or first or second week of February. And by the time they get to the conference championship, they're already starting to stumble. They've taken a couple bad hits, and by the time they get to the NCAA tournament, they're no longer at their best. It seems like they're on. They're actually still peaking, uh, still kind of rising, going in the tournament. The problem is they're going to possibly face off against Rochester in the second round, possibly, obviously. Uh, and that's a tough second-round match for sure. Uh, Swarthmore, Oswego State, those two could be sleepers a little bit. Uh, Christopher Newport, you got to watch out for. And then that lower uh, that pod was Stockton, Wilson, Hopkins, and Yeshiva. Uh, it depends on who you talk to and who they think comes out of that one. But Christopher Newport, I think, is going to be the, the, the leader in the clubhouse in that group, but we'll see if there's any upsets. That's certainly where I think upsets could take place. Uh, I don't believe what Ryan Scott thinks. Uh, I think Randolph-Macon... Is, is the strongest in that lower right. That said, um, you know, Nazareth, Mass Dartmouth, as he said, is going to be tough. Wesleyan will be tough. So will be WPI, as he pointed out. And and who knows? You might get a run here from St. Joseph's out of Connecticut. So good stuff coming up. Reminder, the men's games are all day tomorrow. Go to d3hoops.com, not only for the, the previews, because we have our, our conference previews up, um, but also go there for... Um, the schedule, um, for lack of a better description. So I'm, I'm going to the men's page. We already have our men's schedule up. Reminder, games start as early as 1 o'clock. Yeshiva and Hopkins will get things rolling tomorrow, and then they are staggered throughout the rest of the day. Plenty of basketball to watch. It should be good. On the women's side, the earliest game I see is a 4.30 start, and that is at Southern Virginia Shenandoah game. So they're a little bit more tightly compact on the women's side, but should be great. Go to d3hoops.com. Again, both of our tourney previews are there. Also, uh, a couple of stories have already been posted. There's one about Wash U, about one about Washington and Jefferson. There's another one about the UMHB teams. Um, and, of course, Hoopsville stuff. 
So lots of good stuff at d3hoops.com, including your scoreboard, which has all the links to live stats and videos for everything. So that's where you want to check it out for sure. And enjoy the first weekend. We will be back on the air Monday uh, as well uh, to recap it all. Um, Back to Charlie Brock, who we mentioned, which reminds me, I forgot to call something up on my website here. So bear with me. Um, There we go. Uh, Charlie Brock, uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, retiring. He sent me this note. He finally figured it out for me. So Drew, he was at Drew from 1980 to 1986, Gustavus from 1986 to 1989, then Trinity. And I think uh, Brock is going to tell me this, but he's going to tell me after the fact, unless I can find it faster. I think that's Trinity of Connecticut from 89 to 98, but it could have been Texas. No, because Pat took over for him, I think, in Texas, now that I think about it. Um, Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, and then he ended up at Springfield from 98 to 2002. So that's 41 years. Um, it's actually 42, he says. So I had it wrong. He said, by the way, uh, he called it brocking. And this is something I didn't know about. Uh, apparently, there's a term called brocking. It's when they say he's all complaining about things. Um, I say you take that as a compliment that they came up with a name for you, coach. Um, we tweeted out something earlier um, regarding... His retirement, we did it yesterday because that's when the news broke. Forgive me as I scroll through my Twitter here uh, to call that up. I thought I had it sooner, but apparently I do not. I guess I tweeted a lot in the last 24 hours. There's a great story about Case Western Reserve. I tweeted out about that. Um, Here it is. Here we go. Where is it? Uh, Brock has been one of the biggest supporters and one who helped open curtains to committee work. I cannot tell you how appreciated, how I... Uh, can't spell how appreciative I have been for not only the incredible support Charlie Brock has given me Hoopsville and our work, but also as a respected friend, we'll miss Charlie Brock on the sidelines. We know we will stay in touch. He embodies hashtag D three hoops and hashtag YD three and has been a tremendous, but quiet force behind the scenes, the sport division and coaching are better because of him. Good luck in retirement. And I do mean good luck in retirement. I know we'll see him soon, but bittersweet to see that by the way, speaking of which I thought I saw something about the NABC today. Speaking of Charlie Brock, synonymous with the NABC, but now I can't find it. I apologize, folks. Uh, I saw this go by in the middle of the show and now can't seem to find it. Where is it? Um, It looked like they had put out an honor, but maybe I'm mistaken. I've gone pretty far back in, in the timelines here. And I don't see... Oh, here it is. Yeah. Um, This is the uh, NABC Core Values of Leadership, Service, Education, Advocacy, and Inclusion. This is the NABC Guardians of the Game Award. The recipients this year include from Ohio Wesleyan, Mike DeWitt. Uh, Congratulations to him. Also, um, the other ones are Dan Gavitt from the NCAA, Mike Schultz from Edgewood, Lavelle Morton from NC Central and Tavares Hardy from Loyola, Maryland. Uh, but congratulations to them. The recipients of this year's Guardians of the Game Pillar Awards have each made an impact that extends far beyond the basketball court. So congratulations to the winners there. That was pretty impressive. And as a member, of the, as a supporter of the NABC, we certainly appreciate it as they support us and we appreciate them as well. Don't forget, there will be an NABC All-Star Game in Fort Wayne. Uh, details of that are still being hashed out, but that will be taking place as part of the weekend in Fort Wayne. Um, that will be Saturday before the championship game. Uh, 
uh, out there in Indiana. And that's going to do it for us, folks. We're going to wrap this show up on time because we planned it out. Also, because we had one guest that wasn't able to work out. We lost them at the last minute, but uh, we will try and get them at a later date. I want to thank everybody who came on the show uh, from Wilson, um, Mark Seidenberg. Appreciate him taking the time. Buzz Anthony from Randolph-Macon from Wisconsin. Uh, Oshkosh, we talked to Levi Borshert, and it was nice to chat with him. From Hopkins, it was Diara Odin. Nice to talk to the junior there. I'm sorry, senior. Levi's a junior. Mount Union, Mike Fuline from Gustavus Adolphus, Lori Clark, or Lori Clark, did it again, Lori Kelly, uh, and some from Southern Virginia. Nice to talk with um, Katie Garish about their programs. Want to thank all the SIDs who helped out as well, by the way. Um, special shout out to Scott Geis at York um, of Pennsylvania, the sports information director there, and his wife, Jill, who's assistant sports information director at, at um at uh, Johns Hopkins. Scott has uh, been battling cancer for a while now, had a big surgery this week, and we're wishing him the be- very best in that recovery and hoping it uh, gives him the edge up on what he needs to do to beat off cancer, to say the least. We don't like cancer around here, these parts. Uh, we'll take a break. When we're back, Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern, we will recap the crazy first weekend of the NCAA's upsets and whatever took place. We'll talk to guests, talk to... Um, uh, coaches, we'll talk to maybe some more student athletes. We'll maybe even get somebody in here to react to the entire thing. Should work out nicely. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the games, folks. Friday and Saturday should be a blast, especially on the men's side, where we got games from one o'clock in the afternoon until I think ten on the East Coast. Should be a lot of good, good basketball. Should be fun to watch. Looking forward to it all. Again, go to d3hoops.com for more. Don't forget about our, our partners at Sensible Sports Marketing. Uh, if you need uh, anything, whether it's I don't know. Do you need T-shirts? Do you need uh, free giveaways? Do you need some kind of uh, prom- uh, donor gift? Uh, products or apparel? Sport- Sensible Sports Marketing has the largest selection in college athletics. If you can dream it, they can do it. Uh, again, from game day giveaways to premium donor gifts and more, visit GetSportsSense.com or visit them at 800-575-4765. That's 800-575-4765. Of course, thanks to also Jersey Genius. That's how all our jerseys are hanging at this time, we'll put something together for social media here in just a bit uh, that you maybe will get a free Jersey Genius out of the deal. And, of course, thanks to our partners at the NABC as well for their support. Also, uh, without question, want to thank the WBCA for their support as well. And, of course, Blue Frame Technology streaming on the Team One, Team One Sports app. That's what we were linking to today due to the technical difficulties we had with the website. Of course, you can watch the show on Apple TV, Roku TV, Android TV, or Amazon Fire TV if you're not happening to to be watching it on Facebook and YouTube TV. But that's also thanks to that Blue Frame Technology uh Stuff And, of course, if you want to stream games, Production Truck is your place to go to through uh, Blue Frame as well. So all of that works out. Um, and <laughs> yeah, Yeshiva to the late eight. Maybe we're not, we are not crazy. All right. Listen, maybe you get there. You're going to have to get through Hopkins, likely Stockton, Wesleyan, or maybe an RPI team. That'll get you there. They'll get you there, and then you're against either Mass Dartmouth or maybe Nazareth or Randolph-Macon. It's possible. I wish you luck at Yeshiva. Not not denying that there's a chance. Um, I wish you all the best with that. I'm not going to say it can't happen because this is D3 and parody's gone wild and anything's possible. You could also lose in the first round to Hopkins. But that's true with everybody. The top dogs could lose too if they're not smart and looking ahead. 
That's going to do it for us, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you back here at on Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Take a, take, a, take a tour around D3. Enjoy a game. If you can get to a game, get to a game. If you can't, sit back and watch some great games this weekend. Good night, everybody.